everybody, and welcome to Point of Origin, episode 14, the podcast where we, honestly, the, the show where we, if it weren't for emancipation, how the fuck did Hathor not get taken out of the running? How does Hathor stay in normal syndication? I I don't know, because it doesn't even have any sort of real basis on the plot. It contributes nothing. Honestly, I swear to God, if you told me uh, that the- well, here, here, here's what it is. If you told me this episode- was a way for the writers to like if somebody had said, "Hey, we need to shoehorn in a plot that brings a sarcophagus in." Yeah, that's what I was literally about to say because I can't remember at this point because I know the sarcophagus goes to Area Fifty One after this, right? Um, and I don't know if it comes up again. I know that it goes to Area Fifty One, but I don't know if the sarcophagus itself comes up again. Like that's the only thing that we get out of this episode is that they get their hands on a sarcophagus. Right, but that's it is kind of weird that you mentioned I, it that they really don't bring it up and not, not enough. Like if you had a heal all yeah. kind of thing, even later they find out all the complications mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, because they don't know those right. yet. The, Although they do find out in this season. Right, but they don't know it yet. And even with Wait, those complications, who knows? <laughs> this, is the, this is the upside to us starting off naturally with the episodes. Like, we don't, like, look ahead. Yeah. So we, we occasionally make idiots of ourselves, kind of, but in a good way. It's gotta be bureaucracy. I like, mean, they're like, oh, you got hand on alien tech? Ours now. And they just took it from Sorry and Sorry. It's like, yeah. I, okay. So just like, you know what? Let's just preemptively not have this be a thing. I do have another possibility for why this didn't get well, taken out of syndication. It would definitely make more sense than But I'm not going to talk about it until we come back. Okay. Because it has to do with the writer. But, yeah, so this, this episode, I can't, I can't even think of. <laughs> there's, there's a reason that we delay, like... <laughs> Because we're, we're, we record about, like, two-ish weeks ahead of time. But we actually skipped a week because I was like, hey, uh, we don't have any booze. And I'm not doing this episode without booze. And you'd been sick like for three yeah. or four days prior. Mm-hmm. You were st- so I my sleep that- schedule was totally out of whack. <laughs> that morning, I was, you know, already it was the morning, so it's kind of like, oh, fuck everything. And I, you come out, and somehow you looked worse than me. <laughs> like, your bags and your eyes, you were just like, do you want to skip? And I was like, dude, you look like you're going to die. It's <laughs> funny because, because I'm so pale. When I do feel not good, I really show it. And it's like, I I, I'm not even, like, deathly ill, but when I tell people, I have this story from high school. I started feeling really bad between classes, so I literally walked to my next class to get a pass to the nurse. And all I did was walk up to the front. I didn't even, like, sit down, nothing. I just walked in, and I went, I need to go to the nurse. And he looked up from his desk at me and then rushed over to give me a pass. <laughs> what did you look like? I Jesus. don't know, but I must have looked like I was dying something out of a out of a thriller video <laughs> oh no yeah it's the problem when you're as pale as us yeah is that we tread that fine line and because of like where we live we don't get a lot of sun to be yeah, exactly with. so we've tread that fine line between pale but looks like she's alive and like anything goes wrong and we turn sallow yeah our skin just goes sallow and it's just all you not need great. is that little bit of pigment yeah out and it's not much yeah. that you need to lose <laughs> yeah got it it tells you a lot about how much we don't want. This is like emancipation where oh. we <laughs> we talk about anything literally. other than I just I, honestly it was a joke at first, but seriously, it's weird that like I know emancipation is absolute shit, but it's weird to me that they take it out of regular syndicated reruns, but they don't take Hathor out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so uh, I'm Mel. <laughs> She's Mel. I'm Liz. Uh, and today we're gonna be watching episode thirteen. According to DVDs, it's episode thirteen, but according to online, it's like episode fourteen. It actually lines up Wait, with what? ours. Are they going to stay lined up on now? the DVD? No, no. Because on, on the web 
online, it's episode 14. Oh, sorry, that's what you're talking about. Here, it's episode 13. Gotcha. I thought you were saying this for a second. No, I got no, really no. happy no. for a moment. I was like, oh, cool, now it's lined up. I know no, it's not going to line up. Damn it. It's funny, because, like, Knox was, like, off by, like, five episodes. Yeah. So not only do they reorder, they sometimes heavily reorder. Yeah. I, it's not really bad. Like, we pointed out in previous episodes why it doesn't make sense sometimes, how they have it. Mm-hmm. But it's funny how, like, some reorders don't make, like, any sense. No. And some do, and so on. This one's, according to the DVDs, it's episode 13. So, I haven't looked at this. I'm, I'm excited to see how bad this synopsis is. Well, I have to say the first sentence actually isn't that, isn't that bad. Oh, yeah? All right. So, episode 13, Hathor. The evil go-old Hathor. I feel like evil go-old is redundant. The evil go-old She's Hathor. She's that evil. At least a dad evil at first. Yeah, she's dad evil. I was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> All right. The evil go-old Hathor escapes from a Mayan pyramid in Mexico. At the Stargate facility, she uses her charms to seduce the men into helping her take over the world, i.e. rape. I can't, Samantha like Carter. One. Eh. Ah, again, yeah, rape is rape. <laughs> on, a, on a minor or grand scale, it's still a rape metaphor oh, that yeah, they yeah. don't even realize is a meta- yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, can Samantha Carter and her female colleagues defeat Hathor? If and anything else about- female yeah. colleagues. Well, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. If it had been, like, any other kind of premise of an episode, let's say you take away everything else except, like, that last bit. Yeah. Women having to come to the rescue is a tr- kind of a trope, and lo- not just in yeah. sci-fi, it's in a lot of things. I actually have no problem with that, because mm-hmm. I love it when they flip the script. Yeah. And I and I genuinely love, when they, at least when they don't overdo it, like in like Supergirl, for example, it's always a little overdone. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy when they do quiet, nice, normal storylines where it's just presented as fact that women are going to save the day, and mm-hmm. it's not because we're women, or because the men are incapacitated, it's just because it's just presented better. Yeah. This could have been like that. Yeah, Because even if the writing had been bad, Sam, sorry, Amanda Tapping... You know she would have fucking her oh, and Fraser yeah. together. They would have carried that uh-huh, no problem. Uh-huh. It wouldn't wouldn't have been too anything. But then of course when you have the rest of the episode, it just yeah. The thing is, and I know that one of the big reasons this didn't happen is because it was the '90s. But I feel like this episode misses a really great opportunity to show show it not working on one or two of the men because they're not straight, and show it actually working on a few of the women because wait, they're gay wait mel gay people exist yeah I I, I I don't know this concept i'm sorry what <laughs> yeah. i know i know they only exist in the subtext of daniel never initiating things with women in this show right. but <laughs> yeah no it, it would have been great that yeah you brought it up once or twice before yeah but i always kind of forget it about that it would have been so cool that's, you're right it's now that it's like in the context just of just a map and it wouldn't have to take much time out just one scene of Hathor trying to get another airman onto her side and then he just like ma'am what are you what are you doing you and she's like huh <laughs> that would have been amazing right? in the Avengers when Loki tries to take over Iron Man it would have been like that and he goes and he taps it again and he looks look, mildly embarrassed goes this usually works <laughs> yeah. that would have been great it would have something like that you know it didn't have to it wouldn't even have to be and, that comedic, and it wouldn't have even something. like stopped her because like she would have been doing it in front of other men who are under her control so the moment she realizes yeah, she can't him control him she's like take him away hell that would that's a great that would have been a great opportunity it's a minute of yeah. a scene that would have been so good it would have been a great opportunity for uh, some social commentary too because they would have hauled off the gay guy yes it would have see because at the time especially oh we you know what i just rewrite some of these episodes i just entirely. realized why they didn't do that don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, I know. I know. It existed back then. That's why I said it couldn't happen. It, it literally couldn't. That's why I was like... <laughs> that sucks. I was like, they missed an opportunity, but I understand why they didn't. Yeah. Because it was the 90s. It's one of the few times where it wasn't... It could have been a civilian. Yeah. It yeah. could have been a civilian. Yeah. They're allowed to be gay. Uh, technically, but from what I remember... 
because I, I knew somebody who was in the army uh-huh. specifically. I barely knew him. From what I remember, I think he mentioned that private contractors still had to follow it because wow, they were affecting the garbage. military around them. Well, that's so much don't garbage. ask, don't tell. So, I, mean, I know, but still. You can't be court-martialed, but you right. are exposed to yeah. the don't ask, don't tell. All yeah. right. So because I love the overall writers of the show, and, and I love the show, obviously, and I want to give it as many points as I can, I'm <laughs> choosing to believe that they didn't include that kind of a storyline, not because they themselves were homophobic, but because they were living in a very homophobic yeah. time, and we're just trying to be kind of delicate about it, because there was no yeah, way that wouldn't have created more problems. I feel like if this same plotline had happened in Stargate Atlantis, they would have had oh, that happen. I believe it 100%. Yeah, because it was a more current mm-hmm. uh, show. So they could do things like yeah. that. That's why I said, like, they missed an opportunity, but I do feel like one of the biggest reasons they missed it is because this was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Just for some reason, when you say that, I can immediately assume who the guy would be that they do it for. <laughs> and maybe it's just because he's just such an awesome guy in real yeah. life. Definitely would have been Ronan. Yeah. And not because he was gay, but because he was bi. Yes. Because I could just see immediately Ronan where he just being start, the where perfect Where he starts to go in, and then it's like, wait, no. <laughs> just yeah. like this conflict. Like, Ronan right, starts for it, and then just kind of like shakes it off a little bit, just because he's not fully yeah, uh-huh. of that mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, that'd be great. I think it's just because Jason Momoa is just so amazing. I could see him having yeah, yeah. no problem playing that kind of character. Oh, God, that would that be so character. good. It's either him or, for some reason, Dr. Uh, Beckett. I don't know why. But... I could see Beckett, yeah. <laughs> Maybe because he's just so... This is going to sound terrible, but he's more sensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And acknowledging of, like, the rest of the world. So I could see him just being more open-minded. Yeah. So, yeah. That would have been great. And if it had been written later and without this bullshit kind of extra storyline yeah. aspect. But yeah, so that's several minutes of us explaining how much we hate this episode. <laughs> but like the first sentence actually isn't that bad. No, no, no. Synopsis, you know, it's just she the last a Mayan pyramid and, and her female colleagues. It's like a oh boy. I can almost see they're going with that though because they're specifying that the only people are affected. It's just no. It's it there's got to be a way to word it where it doesn't sound patronizing. It's because until until equality happens, the patriarchy has ruined the term female. Yeah. It, when it uses a descriptor like mm-hmm. this, I know. Yeah. It's, Absolutely. Automatically, it just has a negative tinge. Yeah, it just makes you cringe. Like, when you look at it, nothing about it really screams no. bad, but it just Yet, to be work. honest, it's one of the most competent yeah. synopsises we've had in a while. Yeah. yeah, the only problem I really have with it is, you know, at the Stargate facility, she uses her charms to seduce the men. It's like, that's she called date rape. magic. <laughs> Roofing. Yeah. Magic roofies, it's date rape. You had another Do misopportunity. Do they at least have, like, quotes around charms? Nope. Okay, they should have put quotes around charm. Yeah. That would have fixed it. Mm-hmm. But I have to admit, I actually genuinely like the first sense. Not just because it's to the point, but where they bring a Mayan, up the Mayan pyramid, pyramid in Mexico. Yeah. That mainly draws your, your mind. Yeah, I like, love it. I'm sorry. I know, that's right. I know Mayan yeah, have pyramids. I love that setup but, for the episode. Yeah, the I'm, setup for the yeah. episode is really good. It's just the follow through. Yeah. <laughs> if you had any basic history lessons, like in, you know, middle school, elementary school even. But if you remember even like a little bit of your the lessons. pyramids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you even think about it for a second, Those are you're awesome. Remember, right. So immediately get drawn back to the parallels between that and the mm-hmm. Egyptian pyramid, mm-hmm. like they're going for, obviously. Which is the point, yeah. And it's that's what well I was saying. Done. The setup mm-hmm. is really good. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. I'm just, I'm well, upset. Because they tried. You can tell they tried. Yeah. They didn't just drop that ball, though. That ball, they dropped it, and it somehow exploded. The thing is, <laughs> I feel like the episode itself doesn't fail. It's just they decided to tackle a very sensitive subject in a time period when they're not equipped to tackle it yet. Yeah, and I don't know if they were realizing that they were tackling yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Because like, of because of the time period, yeah. it wasn't really discussed. I could believe it. I could believe it. This show was, was always a little bit ahead of its time. Not just because of the sci-fi yeah, aspect. Yeah. But... I could believe that they were trying, but I also could believe that they weren't even mm-hmm. a little bit, because it, it, it's just not, it's it's too vague on that. Yeah. So. Right. so let's go ahead and go watch this episode. We have to? Yeah. That's why I bought booze. All right, let's go watch it. 
like what I appreciate about doing this podcast is that in actually sitting down and like taking notes and um, observing, directing choices, and having to, and having con- to dissect continuity. it. Yeah, having to do all of that. I'm realizing that there's not actually all that many bad episodes. I've, I've said that a few times. How much I love the first season. You're the like, con- oh, first season sucks, and then you watch them. The content of this episode is troubling. Yes. But for the most part, it's handled very well. Honestly, yeah, actually, I kind of I had it all ramped up in my head as much yeah. worse. Kind of like with Thor's hammer, where yeah. we're like, oh god, it's freaking yeah, and then powers. Right. And then it's like, okay, so you just can't write other women with right. Sam, like, okay? okay. <laughs> For this, some things definitely still stand firm, especially since it was all male done. Yeah. Yeah, that's a and little tell. that's a little troubling. Um, so, the, the writers for this, this is another one where you have, like, the story is by a group, and then the teleplay is by right. someone else. The writers for this is, uh, David Bennett Karen. Never heard of that. J. Larry Carroll. Uh, this, actually, that one, I've never heard of either of this. It might just be because Carol, that's not that uncommon of a surname. I may or may not, that one may or may not be familiar to me. Uh, but the teleplay is Jonathan Glassner. Which, when it first came up, I looked over and went, God damn it, you're right, that's just, uh. Yeah. But in retrospect, our first defense for why it was kept in the lineup doesn't make sense because the sarcophagus does wind up blown up. Yeah, we probably completely forgot that. It is kind of thrown away the last second, though, so it doesn't really... Yeah. It makes sense why we kind of forgot about it. It's such a throwaway thing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, to be honest, this episode could be taken out of the lineup without it really affecting the storyline. It, it does not affect the no, uh, season it's continuity very, at all. It's a very contained episode. Oh, it's basically a model episode. Yeah. Uh, within their their setting yeah. of SPC, well, honestly, because a bottle episode, paraphrasing yeah, the definition, yeah. a bottle episode is an episode that is in one contained location that only has the main actors. Mm-hmm. So this one is a little more expanded with a few more airmen and everything. Yeah. But based on Stargate parameters, it is a bottle episode. Yeah, they don't absolutely. leave base ever. Mm-mm. Like the opening scene, sure. But literally, the second she walks in and we see our main cast, But that was clearly shot in a studio because it was all in darkness and it was like... That was was such a soundstage, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was a soundstage. Yeah, the second she appears, and basically the second we see our main cast, that's where the episode really starts. Mm -hmm. And from there on out, it's one thing. So that's basically a bottle episode. And honestly, I've seen good bottle episodes. I can't think of any right now, but I have seen some. This one is a good example of one, actually. And and like like I was saying, um, in actually sitting down and watching it and analyzing it and everything, we remember Hathor so poorly because of what she does. Mm-hmm. But the show doesn't back away from what she does. Like it acknowledges it. Honestly, better than I remember. If <laughs> if nothing else in the actors, if nothing else that the actors are aware of what has happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Michael thing. Shanks, like just I didn't remember that. I didn't remember the nuanced shit. That's what happens, unfortunately, when you watch these shows and you're really young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I didn't. I couldn't have appreciated half of the uh, nuances. It doesn't help. My memories of season one are ingrained in binging it with a friend. So when you sit there and like watch seven episodes in a row, you're not going to remember the nuances. You're just going to remember, oh, this one has Hathor in it. That one time at your old place, Entirely all I from that brief was candle. at one point Grant coming in going, I thought you guys were watching TV, because it sounds like you're just talking about <laughs> Like, I remember he made some kind of comment, like, laughing in a good way about how we didn't seem to actually be watching anything. We liked, like, what, three episodes that yeah. day? And we barely saw any of it, which is great, because we'd already seen it anyway. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. Like, when you watch with a friend, you tend to... Mm-hmm. Unless you're sitting here 
purposefully yeah, trying to watching take notes it with a purpose. and analyzing yeah, it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little afraid for future episodes that I remember loving. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, oh I know. Afraid. I don't want to ruin God. them for myself. Yeah, because I, rem- I remember loving season two, like, deeply. I know. I was just thinking the other day about the Crystal Skull episode. I'm hoping to God. God the Crystal Skull Because I remember there's that one joke that Jack makes about um, having to heat the giant pyramid. And years later, it's like, oh, hey, adult joke. Barely a joke, right? Yeah. But it makes me wonder how many other, like, little things I missed. It's like, oh, God, I hope it doesn't take away from my love of this episode. Shit. No, I don't think it will. I think I think the fact that we can do this and wind up actually really enjoying watching Hathor, of all things, um, bodes well for the episodes that we keep going, man, I can't wait for the Bounty Hunter episode, or I can't wait for this episode. I feel like that's only going to get better. Yeah, but yeah, like those little tiny things that make the show <laughs> great with the acting and so on and so forth didn't start in later seasons. No, it was in season one. Yeah, and, and this is, for us, you know, episode 13, this is now at least six or seven episodes now where we've been like, god damn it, this is... Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember the first season being great, but I always took into account the fact that I have such a weird nostalgia factor for season yeah, one. Yeah, and it's a season, season one. Right, and yeah. season one's where I always have this may come across as a shock to some people, considering how it seems like I'm always bitching about something. Yeah. This is pretty tame for me, because it's season one. Yeah. And I always have a little more tolerance, slash happy well, amusement nostalgia factor for season ones, because they're yeah. always so cute and starting yeah, exactly. out. Like, mm. um, I can't help but can remember uh, Buffy. Season one Buffy was so different from the rest of that show. Yeah, that's Jesus the thing. Christ. When people are <laughs> recommending Buffy to people who have never seen it before, they always say skip season one, and I'm like, I really enjoyed season, season one. Great. So the... In, in that vein, with Glaster and Turner keeping a, uh, oh no, it was Wright, huh? Is it Wright and Glaster that are the... Oh, they're the executive producers yeah. and everything, and the creators. Sorry, I meant Glasner and Wright. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying Turner because the director is Brad Turner. To me, Brad's. Yeah, that's why I was, that's because I'm like, yeah, Brad. <laughs> yeah, Brad Turner's um, directing was quite good. Yeah, he's directed before, right? I think so. I can, I have this out. Yeah. Let me find out. She says, I was looking pointedly at it. She's like, hey. Yeah, you're staring, like, <laughs> fucking find out for me. I mean, oh, here we go, Thor. Thor's hammer. <laughs> Ironically enough, that was our, that was our example. Of, and that hey, was another one of the really good edit directing, mm-hmm. remember? Oh, yeah. We were calling out all the really good yeah, directors. Yeah, that first shot. Yeah, I think that's the only one I've had for him so far. Yeah, that's the only uh, Brad Turner so far. Weird. Okay, I felt like there was more. No. I know there's much more later, so I yeah. see what it is. That's gotta I, be what it is. This might be an accurate statement. It might not even be, I might be so off. I feel like, aside from Robert C. Cooper... I feel like the other name I saw the most in Atlantis Turner. was Turner. Well, he's a good director, so that wouldn't mm-hmm. be a problem. All right. You know, yeah, we decided that uh, it's annoying that it's three men yeah, doing this. Yeah, it's a little... Um... That being said, because of considering who it is, it makes more sense now as to why the episode could have been worse than it ended up being. The, yeah. the finished product wasn't actually that bad. Yeah, and they actually... The women were portrayed that... They actually acknowledge the, it, they don't go overboard with acknowledging the issues in the episode, yep. but I think in some ways the subtleties, and a lot of it is in the acting, mm-hmm. like Michael Shanks just like in one scene is especially. <gasps> you saw like, I could barely ooh, look at the screen, yeah. I kept like doing this weird mm-hmm. head twitching thing, I was like, I need to look because I need to like, you know, write down notes in case, but I, I, it, it, <sighs> it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what it should have been. Yeah. Painful. So, yeah, the, the subject matter's not great, and it wasn't necessary, but everyone did their best with it. That that right there is a, is a what's, the, what's the term, barrel of monkeys or whatever the hell it is, because yeah. it's a rape, and, and unless it's a very, very specific, very specialized kind of story you're going for, rape, metaphor, or overt, is never necessary. Oh, yeah. But you wouldn't what get I that impression from media. What I mean necessary is that there's nothing that we get right. out of That's this That's what I'm episode. saying. You're correct. I'm, I'm agreeing. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Is media 
does not give that impression, which is just fucked up. Yeah. I grew up thinking if I hadn't already been assaulted, I was going to be. Granted, that's not that inaccurate. No. But the idea is that it's portrayed as something that's just always around. Mm-hmm. It's always going to happen. Get ready. It's going to happen. It's like, yeah. Okay, maybe maybe your message should be different. Maybe. And maybe you shouldn't be presenting it in such a way that also they always get over it in like a day. It's like, okay, yeah, cool. Sure. Let's just take all the, you know, trauma out of it. Whatever. Sure, sure. But this one doesn't actually take out the trauma as no. much as I remember. I remember it being just kind of brushed aside. Yeah, but it, but it really wasn't. No. Sure. Okay. So the episode uh, starts out with some, some good directing. Brad starts Turner out, starts out with a shit fucking uh, establishing stock photo. That's true. Uh, they can't help the stock stuff. That's like if they googled the image and that was the first one that came up. <laughs> but what I I'm noticing about Brad Turner is that he's really great at really cool opening directing choices. Mm-hmm. And the first real directing scene we get is the camera opening up in pitch darkness. Yeah, I, I take it back. I, that That's my bad, because that's probably just the script really just yeah. said established shot. Mm-hmm. He just threw it in whatever they had to throw in, so never mind, I take it back. That's my bad. And it opens up in pitch darkness, and then you hear, like, a scraping sound, and you hear voices coming through, and then a large stone slab comes out from the darkness and you see light open up where that stone slab yeah. got pushed out from. And it's just this group of archaeologists pushing their way into a closed off tomb. And that's where the light comes from. The hole they made in it. Yeah. Like, it is pitch dark until they push that stone through. Yeah. I thought that was a really, really cool directing No, it's, it's, I've said this in a couple other episodes before with, I guess, different directors, but it's not like it's an unheard of not that new of an idea for a directing choice but that doesn't take away from it being good doing it yeah because yeah. like you don't have to be visionary innovative mm. you don't always have to be doing the newest best thing because sometimes just doing the slightly less used idea or just doing something that makes sense for the scene interesting yeah, interesting because it matches mm-hmm. the scene in a way that you wouldn't have necessarily gone to as your immediate Absolutely. first thought and because of that it stands out and it's great i loved it the dark just the voices i, I maintain that i don't think those voices would have been as loud with that slab Probably still in. Probably not. But as far as flaws go, yeah. that's a nothing flaw, and you need to hear them to know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, a pair of archaeologists come into this tomb, uh, which has already been shown, because the establishing shot that we got before this tomb was of a Mayan temple. Yeah, a Mayan pyramid, yeah. So we know they've gone into a Mayan temple, um, and a tomb in there, and they find a sarcophagus in the middle of yeah. the tomb. What I found interesting about that scene it starts out though is they purposely bring up we suspected there was another chamber yeah but we the Mexican government wasn't when, letting us go in until, until now. now but they don't explain why why that changed <laughs> because reasons okay it's like it's not like it's unheard of for a government to give yeah, permission absolutely. but like the fact that you brought it up makes me curious as to weird. why and it then is you just, weird that's the end of that it thing. does okay. just feel like five more seconds was cut off right there, it might have been we Who don't knows? know they're looking around they make a point of oh look for pictographs right because that makes sense with the Mayan yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. The Mayan thing. Yep. <laughs> and while they're looking for pictographs, they find Egyptian ones. Yeah. Got so what I love about that was the way this guy, as they're roaming through the room, he says to his fellow archaeologist, may or may not be his wife, kind of a, the way the way they walk around each other just yeah. kind of looks like they might be a husband-wife team. Either way, his co-worker in the room with him, who's clearly an archaeologist too, he's explaining to her what to look for yeah. and why it's interesting that they're in this room. I feel like she knows this. Like, maybe if she'd been, like, 20, it'd be, like, a professor talking to a grad yeah. student or something. But she's clearly his age, clearly knows what yeah, she's doing. Yeah, it really felt like they made the interactions between them 
feel like that. Yeah. Like a tenured professor talking to a grad yeah. student. Well, there was like that random third guy in the room with them. Yeah. I thought it was like an assistant. Maybe it's not portrayed correctly at all, but maybe he's explaining to that guy. Maybe. maybe. But I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like you said, it's it's obviously just for audience exposition. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's dumb how they do it. So they find Egyptian pictographs. Or as they call them. They just kept calling them hieroglyphs. Uh, hieroglyphics. So either hieroglyphs or hieroglyphic writing, guys. And the female archaeologist specifically recognizes the sign for Hathor on it. Which was lucky. And, well, I mean, to be fair, it's a pretty recognizable symbol that she uncovers. Okay, maybe I it's take it like back. I don't actually whole, know that much. It's like the whole side profile yeah. of Yeah, Hathor that's more your trivia is for the um, Egyptian <laughs> god stuff, so. It's a, like, as soon as she uncovered I'm like, yeah, that's Hathor, all oh, right. All right, cool. It's like a pretty obvious one. I mean, I, I, I could tell it looked not... obvious, but it did, I, I guess it didn't look stylized enough for me to, like, be an obvious thing. Well, it's kind of like, think of how you see a Jack Clyde and you immediately think Anubis. Let's pretend that's me, Yeah. Okay. I see that, I go, hey Mel, what's that? That's what I do when I see one. Okay, well, anyone who's, like, ever been into Egyptian shit at any point in time, I was never they see it. Ja- I was obsessed with I Egypt I loved the mythology of it, but I never bothered to learn the, uh, it doesn't oh, make sense, I, I never bothered both. to learn any of them. I was into both. <laughs> You'd think I would have liked um, the symbols too, but nope. <laughs> but, like, you see a jackal head and you're like, oh, Anubis. <gasps> Isn't it God of Death? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I knew it was God of Death. <laughs> I just didn't know it specifically always, I always, I probably always had to look it up to make sure it was Anubis or not. Yeah. So that's, that's where my, my knowledge of it always ended. Mm-hmm. So you see that chick's face and you just know it's Hathor. Yeah, because it's like the side profile thing. Well, the side profile thing that I guess makes sense. But. Yeah. No, it's just like, as soon as she uncovered it and she's like, oh, it's Hathor. I was like, yeah, that's Hathor, all right? It's pretty recognizable. Okay, cool. Um, I'll take it back. And they're like marveling over the fact that there's Egyptian hieroglyphs in this um And the guy tomb. throws out that he heard of a doctor, a young professor once. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, not an archaeologist. He calls him an archaeologist. I don't know why I said professor. Yeah, he never says that. <laughs> because the movie calls him a professor. <laughs> uh, remember, a young archaeologist who researched specifically cross-pollinization of ancient cultures. And specifically, he remembers Daniel because he was laughed out of academia. <laughs> That's what I love. The guy couldn't explain why the uh, Mexican government was fighting them or slash stopped fighting him on us, but he took the extra five seconds to explain, yeah, it's funny because the guy was laughed out of academia for it. <laughs> Not for that, though. He was laughed out of academia for saying that the hieroglyphs in one of the pyramids was faked. Mm. And That's people were mad right, at him about right, that right. and then started accusing him of claiming that aliens were revol- involved. Right. That's why he got laughed out of academia. He called out an older, more experienced professor or archaeologist or whatever right. for lying. Right. Okay. And people didn't like that because it's the hallowed halls of academia. Hallowed. Yeah. The hallowed halls of academia. And then someone was like, oh, so I suppose you say that aliens had something. And then it just went from there. That's why I got laughed out. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. So they uncover more of it. There's a giant stone in the center of the sarcophagus. This dumbass puts his hand right on it. All I could think was call uh, Indiana Jones because it was like just like that stone from the yes. know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thing. And the sarcophagus opens. Hathor rises out from it. By the way, can we just take a moment to reflect on how amazing Goa'uld tech is? Because that hasn't been touched in thousands of years. Yeah. And yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just realized that makes even less sense later, that line where you say that she's like a 4,000-year-old whatever. Because if she thought Ra was alive, then she had to be in there for at least 10,000 years. Okay, here's the thing. You keep remembering 10,000 years. That's when he took the body. That's not when he got kicked out. He fuck, took fuck, the body 10,000 years fuck, ago. Fuck, 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 fuck. 
I didn't think to refute that when we were watching the fire and water episode until after we'd stopped recording. But you've massive... got 10,000 years in your mind. Well, it's because and that's because it was when he took the body. It's because right there, I, I see it. Okay, yeah, you're right, 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 right. So moving on. Yeah. <laughs> I was never wrong, but no. I don't make mistakes. So she comes out of the sarcophagus and she kills both of them. Well, not before she goes, where is Raw? In her go old voice. First off, the chick archaeologist does this Cowers. little cowardly lion thing, mm-hmm. which honestly, I don't, I don't want to be mean, but this lady was not a good actor. She wasn't, so. So she was relying like, on that. That makes sense. Sure, let's go with that. But what I love is she goes, where is Raw? And this guy just like, takes huh? it in fucking stride. He's like, he's just oh, so chill. Uh, God, Raw. Well, um, let's have a discussion. Like, I forgot what exactly he said. I don't remember what he said. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what he said because all I could focus on was how completely nonchalant he was talking to this lady who yeah. just popped out of a thing that definitely should not have a live person no. in it at the very least. Nothing about that made sense. I was just like, I, honestly, the only thing missing from that was him going, hi, I'm Ron. Yeah. He's just, he was so casual about it. The hi, how you doing? Right? It's like, okay, no wonder he died. He's an idiot. Yeah. So she kills them because they don't have information she wants. Right. They don't, he, they don't know what she's talking about, so she kills them. You know you're a nothing extra character when you die off screen. Yeah. You were just on screen and they purposely take you off screen just to kill you. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to SGC where somehow the sarcophagus wound up there. I don't know. They, did they ever explain why Hathor just left it there and walked off for a little while? Because clearly she must have. Yeah, well, yeah, because she's not in it. Because they do make a point of, like, mentioning why he got it. They, they make a point of mentioning that the other ones either just disappeared or died. I don't remember. But he says something about, um, there was, I can't remember if he says exactly if they were killed, but he does mention that there were, uh, they, the authorities thought it was thieves. Yeah. So they mentioned that but a they disturbance also happened at the site. He also mentions that one of their assistants found it. Right. So which is how they knew to bring it to him. Those are two groups. But probably somebody which was means exploring over there. just wandered yeah. off for a little while and then came back and was like, shit, my sarcophagus well, is gone. And I'm in Mexico, so I better make my way to Colorado. <laughs> Like, I'm assuming she had, like, a, had, like, a homing beacon Yeah, or she had to have thing. something to sense the, the gate. The Knox episode did establish she, that she they had She was looking for the stuff. gate, so she yeah. had to have something that could... You know what? She They're big on Nakwada. Yeah. They're big on Nakwada, so she probably has something thing. to find uh, Nakwada. Yeah, her thing. And that's the strongest source of it, is yeah. the gate. Whatever apply for body you want to use yeah. there, it's... The episode didn't even need to specify it, because if you know enough... I thought it was enough, funny that yeah. suddenly they have the sarcophagus, so it means she clearly wandered off for no fucking reason right. for a little while. Also made her way to Colorado in that dress. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised the episode doesn't mention... Her way there. I'm, I'm surprised the episode doesn't mention the trail of male bodies she had to have I left. want the episode of her getting from Mexico to Colorado. That would be a fun episode. Because they're not exactly close. No. So, they have the sarcophagus at SGC. Daniel explains vaguely what Expos- happened. Exposits yeah. away how mm-hmm. he got the thing. And then suddenly, while they're talking about it, um, an airman comes in and tells Hammond, hey, there's someone at the gate uh, asking about the about Stargate. Yeah, she just walked up. Yeah, and Hammond's like, well, send them away. And it, oh, it's a her. People walk up occasionally. That's the police hand. Oh, wait, no, it was, it was just, like, insisting to be let in. Yeah. And then he's like, no, it's a her. And she's saying... That she wants to see the Stargate. And that's where, like, oh, well, we took her in. Like, obviously, if someone comes up to fucking ex-Norad and starts bringing up the Stargate, oh, well, we can't let them leave. This might be a flaw, I just realized. She definitely wouldn't have known the term Stargate, would she? She would have said Chapa Eye, because she says Chapa Eye later. And you're telling me the airmen at the 
door. Maybe they finished chopping it. Maybe that's what it means. I mean, I guess it doesn't not it make sense. It was a chop eye originally, so why wouldn't they? I know, it's just kind of weird that you're telling me that these average guards on the surface level who are just doing your basic guarding. Yeah, I don't know. Happen to know the chop eye means Stargate. It's not that big of a flaw if it is one, but it does make me kind of wonder for a second what she said specifically and yeah, how they connected the dots there. I mean, there is like the whole story where she was friend to men, so maybe she learned the yeah, humans terminology for yeah. it before she was shut away. So she learned the Egyptian yeah, co- okay. name for it okay. and then translated yeah, it to English. Right. It's, not, it's not really unexplainable. It, yeah. it, is, it is interesting to me just that how that connected. Uh, so they go and meet Hathor, who's been tied up, and I love that they put her in a big freaking coat that's, just to cover a, up, and she wasn't even that exposed, like, mm-hmm. oh no, you can see her shoulder. That's a good example of the subtlety in the episodes, that when people are, when women are dressed like that, for example, it's not the women necessarily who are uncomfortable, it's the, it's the men. men. So the men put her in a trench it's coat. It's the whole point of freaking um, uh, dress codes at school. Yeah. Anytime they talk about dress codes at school for, for girls, it's always you're distracting the, the boys. The only dress code my school had, and I'm talking about the public one, only dress code it had. They even did a little fun little video for the morning announcements, and it was only in reference to the women. Yeah. It literally, the guys, they, they because threw it's out there that men, men couldn't wear shorts too short, but everybody knew that guys didn't wear shorts no. too short. It's like, here's a thought. Maybe don't make women's clothes inappropriately to begin with yeah. if you have a problem with it. Or maybe <sighs> expect boys to control themselves when they see shoulders. It's weird, right? Can we stop with the hide your shame mentality that we have for women, please? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But this makes sense in this episode. Yeah. Because that's, that is what that mentality is. And it's the narrative <sighs> of the story, too. Right? So it makes sense. And I like how you're a gentleman if instead of touching the woman without her permission, you just shame her instead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel is like, can, can we untie her? <laughs> like, Daniel's already being, like, he she identifies herself and he immediately like, oh, Hathor, blah, 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 blah. I was going to bring it up when we were watching it and then we got distracted talking about something else. But I but feel like if it had been a man in that same position, like, because Hathor was sitting there very you know, quietly, calmly. Yeah. She was just standing there like, yeah, yeah, chill. She was just being really chill. I feel like if it had been a man in the same position, considering her hands were zip-tied behind her back, I feel like he still would have, for a man, been like, can we untie them? Why is oh, this? Oh, yeah, because it's, it's the inherent vulnerability of a yeah. woman who has her hands tied behind her. Like, yeah, because I, I remarked on that, because, like, that's, that's, like, a common thing with arresting women. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they've been shown to be violent when, before being arrested, women are always handcuffed in the front. Yeah. That's just, I noticed that she yeah. was immediately that's tied good. from behind. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> At least the soldiers are taking her seriously. Mm-hmm. But he asks if they can untie. And it's like, that was weird to me that he mentions this, and Hammond just, like, does this little vague, like, like go yeah, after right. it. Like, so, especially since, like, you know, the entire scene, all I could keep saying was how annoying it was to me that they had, like, no security checking. Yeah. And yet, it's, it's even more established with the fact that Daniel says that, and the two military men on either side of him are just completely fine with, they, they tied her for a reason. Yeah. Like, they, that was, like, the one security thing they did do. Well, to be fair <laughs> to them, to be fair to them, it's very clear that the guys at the gates are jumpy about her, but... Hammond and Jack, Aren't even before they themselves, <laughs> even before they get roofied by her, they're not taking her seriously at all. They think yeah. she's just a crazy person. Yeah, it has to be Teal'c to point out how would she have known there's a Stargate here? Right, like that, that, that's one of my notes. It's like thanks Teal'c for once again being the sole voice of reason in this room. <laughs> but it just it was just funny to me that Daniel displays expresses his displeasure mm-hmm. with this situation, and it's, Hammond just goes. 
Okay. It's very Go telling it. <laughs> that they haven't had much exposure to the gold system yet because they're not, they don't know about the vast expanse of system lords yet. They've met two of them. Right. One of whom is dead now. Right. And we've only heard the phrase system lords once now. Yeah. Term. The phrase if it's more than two words, I think. <laughs> I would say term. Yeah. Um, the term. So, like, they're not taking... Also, she was on Earth. She didn't come from a spaceship from yeah. space. They're not expecting to find no. a gold on Earth. It makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it makes does, it, sense it does that they're acting like this. Bug me a little. It wouldn't have worked <laughs> in season two. No. This had to be a season one thing yeah. where they could be taken by surprise so easily. I guess the problem I have with it is my problem. Yeah. <laughs> it just, everything about it is, is is explainable, and it makes sense that they wouldn't be taking a female seriously. Mm-hmm. And I say female on purpose, because they're just like, oh, yeah. it's a female. <laughs> Poor delicate but brain. But he unties her, and she Quite thinks Quite easily him. pointing out, by the way, that was zip-tied. Yeah. That's usually a bitch, and he didn't have a knife on him, but somehow just snaps that Whatever. easily. He unties her, she thanks him by kissing his hand. Which his reaction to that was on point. That's, I love how he's like, oh, That's the first okay. moment of that, of that <laughs> thing being flipped. Because yeah. I've had that reaction where it's like somebody I don't really know grabbing my hand to do that thing. It's like, it's just weird. Why? 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 Yeah. Why? Why is this happening? But then the moment she like breathes this like pink mist onto him, yep. he doesn't explicitly react. You just see Which this is... sort of softening. Mm-hmm. And his uh, eyes, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His eyes get really blown I, I'm out. giving, I'm choosing, they, they had to have done some of this on purpose, whether it was just him, the actor, mm-hmm. doing it or what. But his eyes do this accurate dilation yeah. thing, like a drugged individual mm-hmm. would. For, like, the entirety of his roofing. Oh, yeah. And that's, like, the moment where he's, like, softens, like I said, and his eyes get kind of wide. He just gets, everything about him just gets a little looser. He gets just a little floaty. Yeah. Almost like he's been roofing. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then it's, he steps away from her, and she, like, turns her attention to Hammond and Jack. Specifically Hammond, because she can tell he's in charge. The man with the crown of marble. Yes. <laughs> which, from now on, I refuse to, this is a, this is a compliment now. Not a compliment, but just people who don't mind being called bald. From now on, every time I meet a ball band, you with the crown of marble, you with the crown of marble, because that's just epic sounding. That's an so epic funny. way of calling. He reacted himself. pretty well to it. It's just like, okay, you're right. I am majestic. I do have a crown of marble. <laughs> they should make busts of my face, <sighs> and I'll have a real crown of marble. So she turns her attention to Hammond and Jack, and while she's talking to them, you see Daniel just kind of drift behind her, and like very slowly and like almost uh, lightheaded uh, looking. Leth- lethargically. Yeah. He just sits down behind her on the bed. He's clearly acting a little screwy. Not yeah. super overt, And what but I like is you can little. actually see Jack kind of eyeing him. They just, they don't seem to care. Because they're not taking her seriously. I guess. You know what it is? They're in the home base. They're they're too confident because they're in the home base. They they're haven't, cocky. They haven't really had a real foothold situation yeah. yet. As of now, that's, that's changed. Yeah, that's like their first real foothold situation. Yeah, because they've only ever had like one alien get by them so far, and that was the crystal guy. And he, and was, he, and he, was he wasn't a, a foothold, Yeah, no. he wasn't trying to do anything. They're disregarding him acting like this because they're just thinking, oh, it's a guy being wild by a woman. That doesn't... No, that doesn't make... That doesn't make sense. Subconsciously. Because Jack knows Daniel. That's the thing. It doesn't make sense, but it could play into that thing of like, oh, if he's acting weird, it's because he saw a pretty lady. And it's that whole not taking guys seriously because he's affected by a woman. You know what it could be? It could be that, and I'm reading into this wildly here, well, you have to but I do at the sense, end though. too, and I've, I've decided that my read at the end is 100% canon, so. Because Jack does give him a slightly concerned look. Mm-hmm. Jack might be thinking that Daniel's remembering Sade. Okay, yeah, there you go. Either way, it's explainable because he's just having the emotions. Yeah. So, like, she, 
Um, she roofies Hammond too, basically. Yep. Keep mentioning Rob at six thousand times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She uh, Daniel tries to tell her that he's dead, and, and they like, goes, "Don't need to know. tell her anything." And Daniel's like, "Well, Rob's a myth." <laughs> I roofie just, Daniel is so bad at lying. But I, I like how the roofied men seem to have access to their higher functioning, but also not. Yeah. So it kind of plays out correctly. Mm-hmm. The fact that this woman is spouting out a bunch of information that she should not have and they're still just determined to not take yeah. it seriously just says a lot about the patriarchy right there. Oh yeah, 100 Um, they decide to leave Daniel alone with yeah. her. Well, because, I mean, it makes sense with Hammond because he's not been roofied. Yeah. He wouldn't care anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, they both know. That's the thing. You can know. Well, you, I don't think Hammond does, Hammond, does, Hammond doesn't know yet that, that Daniel's been roofied because they haven't done, like, the little Oh, they yet. haven't done the eye yeah. meeting yet. But, uh, what I mean by that is Hammond's not been roofied, so his concerns are now mm-hmm. singular. So the they, only Jack is left. Uh, Hammond and Jack leave to discuss this issue, but they leave her with Daniel. They're like, yeah, just, you know, just, question her or whatever. Just, it, it, it's accurate to the kind of episode they're going for here that they don't take this com- possible combatant seriously no. as a threat because they had her tied up. She's now untied, free and clear, and alone with this guy. A who, civilian. Civilian, by the way, who has no combat training. No. But sure. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. I guess they're trusting that she seems grateful to him. Ugh. That's even grosser. I know, it does. It, it yeah. fits with the episode, though, actually. Uh, at the moment they're alone, though, Daniel tells her that Ra's dead. <laughs> the moment they're alone, he, well, he's like, he no longer has any voices of reason. Exactly. <laughs> well, he's also, uh, he was he was only doing what his boss was saying mm-hmm. until his boss left. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then she says, oh, well, in that case, I am grateful for it. And she indicates that she is an enemy of Ra. Which means that she is a friend of them. Yeah, that's another thing. She let's say let's say you take her even a little bit seriously. Yeah. This woman's looking for Raw, who you definitely knew was a bad dude. Mm-hmm. She's either a friend of Raw, therefore you need to not be or wants her so lightly. to fucking kill him. Or wants to fucking kill him. In that case, you might have a potential ally yeah. on your hands. But they don't even slightly go without either no. one of those. It's just ugh. This is the, the utter that's, dismissal that's is the most accurate the, thing. But I'd also say that's probably the biggest weakness of this plot is how little. They give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> how little they take it seriously. Look upon my field of fucks, and lo and behold, it was barren. The only thing I can think is that she's got like the explicit pheromone thing, mm-hmm. but maybe she's got some sort of passive thing, like a secondary, where kind of it thing? just sort of puts people off guard. All right, yeah, just that general at ease thing. Yeah, it's called tits. Yeah, yeah, that she seduces Daniel. Well, is it seducing if he's, if he's date raped? She thinks she's seducing him. Yeah. She quote-unquote seduces Daniel. Yeah. Scene cut. They're discussing... <laughs> like, that's the end of that. <laughs> yeah, it is. She kisses him, and then it's a scene cut. Everyone else is discussing Hathor. Teal points out that if she knew about the Stargate, that means she needs to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Jack's like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Also, we noticed Sam's hair is finally looking good. Right, it's finally the Sam haircut that it we're finally used to. grew out enough that it's not atrocious. Right, Hammond starts to show that he's willing to like listen to or bring her. He also becomes a little bit of a scuzzball. Oh, mm-hmm. this not until she actually shows up. So they're talking about possibly like because Teal points out that it makes no sense that she knows what yeah. this thing is. Then Hammond starts to seem like he's interested in. Like, hearing from her. Right. And then Jack dismisses it because of the crazy lady that he sees on 73rd Street, specifically. Yeah. Who talks the, about the crazy things the, in her hair. The monsters in her hair Which all something. I could say was, so, lice. lice. So she has lice. Then, mm. uh, perfect timing, Daniel comes down the stairs. I love that the briefing room, you have to go downstairs to get into it. I love yeah, the little stairs. Yeah, because there's stairs up, like, the control mm-hmm. room. And then the rest of it's that, yeah, yeah. 
I, I like it. Spiral stairs. Yeah, it's the little. Sp- I love those stairs. That's, that's an they do some really cool like. shots from those yeah. stairs. Those are so. That's a, such an easy device for good shots. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a spiral staircase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, there's no way to not do an entrance on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So he shows up and says, "Hey, um, I'd like to bring her in to debrief. She is a defender of men. She was against Raw and like." You know, she supported the rebellion and blah, 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 blah. Defender of men. That's such a great parallel. Yeah. Honestly, because that's how assholes describe themselves. Mm-hmm. You have to protect the poor little women. Yep. So, yeah, it's great that she describes herself like this. Yeah. Because, honestly, they do a great job with the metaphor. But they do such a bad job with the metaphor at the same time. So he says, like... <sighs> Singing her praises. Yeah. And says, like can we lackey. bring her into debrief? And Jack and Sam are like, Daniel, uh, what the heck? Yeah. And Ham is like, yeah, yeah, bring her in. I like how she was waiting too. She like was, she was just poised on the top and ready. Of the and then does her grand little entrance. And she comes in in the dress, which is honestly gorgeous. It's uh-huh. a gorgeous dress. They, they the, the costume department did their shit right. Immediately moves into Rufy Jack. Jack yeah. shows some resistance. Yeah. He does give in, but even then he's still a little You could see cuz you made a comment when um Daniel got taken over that you liked that he didn't do like the head shaky kind of thing oh, or whatever. I hate that. That he just sort of Got head foggy. Because with most characters, it's not explainable as an actual thing. But with with Jack, you see him shake his head just, like, once. Where you can, like, see that his training training is fighting fighting it. So it makes sense with him. But even then, he didn't do it super exaggerated. No. Whenever they do that, it's always that exaggerated head trope. Like, oh, no, what's in my mind? It's like, you calm the fuck down. So she comes in. She roofies Jack. Jack tries to fight it, but he does go under. Is is her roof, attempt of roofing Teal before or after that awesome it's, shot I love where Daniel's face is that creepy expression while the blast doors come down? Oh no! It's oh no because she doesn't come down until they bring the blast doors yeah. down. Sorry, yeah, that's a great moment because um, that's a good directing. Choice. Jack, Jack, and Sam both argue. Well, if she's gonna come in, cover up the gate. Daniel is standing with his back. Daniel. <laughs> Daniel is standing with his back to the the window, the observing window, and the gate comes down behind him and he's looking vacantly but also kind of slightly menacingly yeah. yeah just off to the corner off to the side a little bit as this gate just comes down behind him and it gets him. a little darker behind yeah. him it's a it's really like, good shot it's like it's, it's a beautiful um representation framing yeah it's a framing and it also shows the shutters going down in his mind mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that's no, it's of, a good shot that's one of those phrases i was loving books with the shutters go down over his eyes mm-hmm. or whatever that, that yeah, closing off thing yeah. that's what that represented and it was great it was really good. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it was beautiful. I was saying, I loved it. I've been saying the whole time we were watching this, Michael Shanks mm. does a, like, everyone does a good job. Everyone does a good job in this episode. Uh, there's this great expression Sam makes at one point that we'll get to that I was just like, holy shit, girl. But it's like this, this video um, does point out Richard Dean Anderson does a great job of fighting it off. Right. Hammond's creepy dad grandfather it's, it's smile. It's his normal grandfather smile, but it's just an extra, I can't exactly pinpoint what it is he changes about it but he's a great actor i don't know it's, it's so totally creepy. different it's but it's so smug creepy. and asinine and he goes from being an awesome guy to an older version of a dude bro and i hate it i love it but i hate it but yeah all of the oh and then janet janet just owns her yeah. moments everyone in this episode does so good with yeah. their acting but there's That's a true. lot of moments for daniel mm-hmm. and that was a great one and that was a great that was moment that, that was his peak honestly mm-hmm. for me so i liked that because after that, after, after that scene, they all get hammered, yeah. after they all get whammied, um, there's a moment where you can see like all of them in the frame, and they are all reacting slightly different to Harufi. 
and it's so good. It's like they have different so brain chemistry. Good. It's like they're different people. Daniel's got this like far out uh, dazed look. Mm-hmm. Hammond's got the creepy grandfather smile. Jack's just got this sort of focused he looks look. A little, he looks a little bit more like I'm not like he's fighting it per se, but he looks a little bit more in charge of himself. Yeah. Like he's still being a snarky little bitch. Yeah. He's being a little more snarky. He's still being a little snarky mm-hmm. bitch, which is an indicator. But well, he hasn't had the mouth to mouth inoculation yet. Mm, yeah. But I only just, Daniel has. What I love about it is that she. It, it's a subtle indication that it's funny to me. The trivia says this episode is actually pretty heavily criticized, which I can understand because no, you're no, definitely yeah. criticizing it too. There are problems. But in with ter- it. yeah, and they're not small. But mm-hmm. what I love is all these little nuances, mostly with the topic. Yeah. Though, right. There's a, there's a subtle thing where because of how the fact that all the men are acting differently. It says something about Hathor that she wants to enslave these people, but she also wants to use their minds. Mm-hmm. Like, she wants slaves that are useful. Yeah. She doesn't want a unified, never, mindless servant. She never tries thing. to remove their personality from them. Yeah. She, she takes that she wants indications control. from their personality right. Right. to decide what to do with them. Yeah. She sees Jack fighting it mm-hmm. later, how he's still got this control over himself. And decides so she's like, format. he is the best option yeah, the for my first, my first prime. Yeah, exactly. That's a template of the control you mm-hmm. want. Mm-hmm. She's a smart she's leader. She's painted as a great it's villain. It's gross how she does yeah. it, right? But she is but a that, smart that's leader. That's what makes her quote evil. Yeah, you know? that's, that is an evil villain. A villain. It's not. It's not saying oh the villain's not so bad. If you're pointing out what makes them a good villain, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's pointing out why they're worse. Yeah, she is worse because she uses all of her slaves. Yeah, and that's terrifying. Like she could be formidable. Yes, if this wasn't written by men. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> She could have been a great first season uh, enemy if they had done anything else differently and mm-hmm. done it much better. Like, can you imagine a formidable enemy like her? Yeah. Being oh your gosh. First antagonist. That would be. Oh my god. Season one with them having to fight Hathor the whole time would be. She, crazy. She's insidious by nature, and all of her slaves would be imagine insidious by nature. Imagine an episode where they come to a planet where it seems totally normal and safe, but she's got everyone under her control. Exactly. That'd be. That would have been awesome. Oh my god. That would have been a great episode for this. Instead of this, mm-hmm. that would have been a phenomenal. It's, it's, it's just another example of how interesting premise, shittily executed. But Not yeah, even shittily executed, just lazily executed. Yeah, that's me. Kind of shittily. If you're going down a lazy route, they went for a the obvious route. Yeah. If you take you take the time to make a female character actually pretty cool as an antagonist, and then just completely botch how it's used because yeah. of laziness. Fuck you. You're shit. <laughs> um, Z- Sam, to her credit, immediately points out that all three men are acting weird. I, I get why they have it the way that it is in the episode, but it's a little weird to me that she's saying to the people that are under control, and she's noting they're under some kind of yeah. weird effect. She says to them, expecting a rational response, it's like you guys are under a spell. Hmm. And they, surprisingly, don't take this too No. Well. Such a weird idea. Shock. And then she just tries it again later, too. It's like, god damn it. But yeah, only one more thing about the scene, speaking of the way Hathor's dressed. I yeah. like how Sam has her jumpsuit, like, extra zipped slightly, down. Slightly, slightly open. It's not even like a restaurant display or anything, but it's definitely the more, like, feminine aspect. They're definitely calling attention to it a little bit just by having it there so it's one of those things where it's like that actually makes more sense as like a storyline kind of parallel yeah. it does actually fit i guess although it doesn't really fit the character because she, yeah. she wouldn't do that no so it's like one of those things where it's like, i want to appreciate it but i also kind of hate it at least she notices right away right. she doesn't think oh this couldn't possibly happen because she works with alien tech and she's you know it makes a lot of sense too that a woman a woman would immediately notice when a man's being weird because of a woman yeah, absolutely. She gets dismissed. Hammond Shock. offers her a tour and a nice bedroom. It has to be his bedroom. No, no, no they, they actually say when they're going into it, it's for uh, visiting like dignitaries there or whatever. Go. That makes sense. It's that was going to be my tours. other option, because yeah. it's a nice big bed. Yeah. 
That was my first note. I was like, that is a big <laughs> bed. <laughs> that's, a, that's a queen-sized bed, minimum For bed. a queen. All right. Ha-ha-ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Wink. <laughs> They take Hazard to her room. She does that stupid sly she bitch. She does look. a great side eye bitch look at Sam. Which is accurate to hell. It was so good. It was so good. I made you rewind it because your head was down. Mm-hmm. You were taking notes when it happened. I'm like, you need to rewind. You need to see this look. And we both had like the same exact that sound. We both had like. Ugh. <laughs> it was so good. So they give her the room. Hathor shows extra interest in Daniel. Like, she's already decided, that's my broodmare. <laughs> Is that the scene with the, um, one relaxing <laughs> I don't know, I'm not sure, I'm trying to remember. I gotta, we look, no, no, it's later on okay. when she brings up cool. the mother of all gods thing. <laughs> You're just ready for that. <laughs> I was annoyed at first, and then it got better, and I'm now just annoyed that they had, like, such a line of perfection in there. This episode was, this that line was too good for this episode. Anyway. Um, she says extra din- interest in Daniel, Sam walks follows after Jack as they're leaving to try and talk him through, because she can see that he's got a little bit more control over himself. Yeah. So she's trying to get into it. still probably warring within her a little bit, yeah. these people that she knows and trusts, and nothing about them screaming She wants really. to trust them, right. yeah. Like, she knows there's a problem, but not screaming out of control, mm-hmm. out of their minds. Yeah, because her, her roofie, her, her pheromone combination, yeah. like we were talking about, keeps their personality. Yeah. It's an extra insidious one when you think about it. Absolutely. At least when you see a drugged individual, you're like, oh you shit, this person's drugged. Mm-hmm. This is like, okay, they're being weird. I know something's up, but I can't decide what. That's terrifying, actually, if you think about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, she doesn't manage to get through to him. There's <laughs> shock. There's this great, this is the moment where um, when he's dismissing her suspicions, he puts this really patronizing mm. hand on her shoulder, like, oh, you dumb woman and her, her, her first instinctive she does reaction that, is great like, where she's almost baring her teeth mm-hmm. like she's not baring her teeth at him mm-hmm. it's a thing where you look down but your mouth parts just enough that you are baring your teeth in a snarl it's the human facial expression equivalent of when a bull huffs yes that's and she does such a good job with it you can see her just restraining herself yeah, with that it's soundless but it's there she does mm-hmm. that and then she does this kind of like purse lip thing where she just looks away and then you can see it start to click that this is extra bad she's like jack wouldn't do that yeah. jack would not do and that and she goes into that like kind of concerned worry so she's she goes still annoyed looking mm-hmm. but oh, yeah. more concerned now her facial acting in that scene was so freaking good mm-hmm. so she goes and finds janet immediately because they're bros and janet is dependable and janet immediately offers a science explanation for why they're all acting like this she says something about like super pheromones and blah blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, while this is happening, Sam is looking up Hathor on a freaking GeoCities website. Which, everything about that scene was great. They, from the archaic as fuck monitor to what the, 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 the format of the website was exactly what GeoCities. 90s. Yeah, that was great. And the clicking, the mouse clicking, all the I could double think of clip was, was those old AOL commercials. Yes, remember? with the, the serious. I clicking. remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it reminded me of. It was just, it was, it was so so funny. It was that if you could bottle nineteen nineties in a in a bottle, in a time uh, capsule, that sound effect should be on in there. <laughs> the best part is what you found out about the. Uh... Oh yeah, so according to the trivia, the goose. Um, 
when Carter is researching Hathor on the we- on the web, the browser shows the web address to be. I'm not going to read this whole entire thing, but yeah. files, slash, slash, you know, HTTP, TTP, www, ancient, slash, eternal, slash, Hathor, slash, sorry, Hathor dot HTML, which would point to a file stored on the local hard drive, not a file on the World Wide Web. Which <laughs> this means... is probably a saved website on the computer used for the scene. Yes! It's so funny. <laughs> so and they got to show the link, do it right. And the thing is, I noticed it immediately because I was like, oh man, this is some GeoCities shit. And I wanted to see if they had actually made a GeoCities website to do this. So I looked to see if it was a GeoCities address, and I was like, that's not an address. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, because I was reading through the trivia. As I was reading it out loud, you're like, oh my god, you're right, that wasn't it! <laughs> it's one thing to ch- kind of obscure a link, because obvious reasons. Yeah. If you're going to show the link... Explicitly. If you're going to show the link, could you just try to make it better, please? Hell, save your image or whatever, have it open as a browser page or whatever. Like, and I then was, edit the and, text. And just edit the text. It's, it, it's not that big of a deal, guys, but no. it's those little things that break your suspension of disbelief immediately. Mm-hmm. It's a little thing, but meh. I like how a lot of my little things are like meh at the oh, end. <laughs> so Hathor explains to Daniel that she is the mother of all gods, mm-hmm. which means she, along with some other, she may, she does make a point of saying that she's not the only supplier of gold larvae, because then I think the gold would have died out by now. She'd been locked up for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, they're long lived, but still. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that she is one of the birthing sources of gold larvae. I know the phrase works, but it's... Mm. Yeah, I know. And she's explaining how she needs DNA to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Explicitly, DNA from Daniel, because mm-hmm. she's decided that she likes Daniel a whole lot. Which, fair play to her. He's attractive. He's smart. He's kind. He was the only one who started off with not... Mm-hmm. There's a difference between not taking someone as a threat and I don't being blame her for choosing yeah. him. Like it wasn't like he didn't. Dis- it's not that he dismissed her as a threat in their first interaction. It was more as a compassionate aspect. And there is a great moment where she points out that um oh so he figures out that she needs human DNA to um prevent rejection. Right, With the host. Right, which I lost my mind on that because that's actually how that fucking yeah, works. If absolutely. you're introducing foreign DNA into a different body, it does reject it. Mm-hmm. That's why people who get transplants have to go on autoimmune suppressors. And it explains so much about the plot of all of these worlds. The fact that the gold found this planet, they figured out, oh, these bodies work out pretty well, especially if we take a little bit of their DNA when we're making our larva. Let's just take a whole bunch of them and harvest them across planets so we don't have to keep visiting this one place. And then that's when I was saying, um, it makes, it, it goes even further when you think about the fact that y'all have different planets being seeded with these, you know, people, is the fact that each, you know, system lord has, like, a their own little cache of planets. Mm-hmm. It would make sense that you'd have different places, with different people on different places, because you wouldn't just Their assume, DNA would change a little right, bit. You wouldn't assume that each person would have the same resistances to, like, different pathogens mm-hmm. or so on, because each planet would be different. Yeah. So it's an environmental aspect in there that they take into account. And again, not exposited super obviously. It's just kind of like those things of, if you know anything about it, then like, you can make oh, those inferences. okay, cool. And if you don't know about it, you don't care. Yeah. So it's great. It doesn't harm, but it does help if you know. Well, it's funny is it immediately goes from Daniel's, like, scientific ex- uh, an- analysis of, oh, so you can enjoy rejection, to her being like, yes, but I do quite enjoy right. taking the DNA. That's one other thing I love about Daniel slash Michael Shanks in this is he delivers these lines. All the other guys are delivering lines, too, and they're all, all on purpose, of course. I'm just going, fuck, stop fucking mansplaining. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. It makes sense with the, what's happening yeah. to them. 
that just so much fucking mansplaining. And then he's explaining a concept to her that she definitely knows, and she, but he's doing it in a way that's more like him understanding it out it's loud. It's him discovering yeah, it. Yeah, he's, he's going through the motions out loud. It's his, it's um, his academic side. He's exactly. going, oh, because of this. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's excited to exactly, figure it out. Exactly. And it's just like how Daniel's the only guy not mansplaining. Mm-hmm. Granted, he's also talking to his, you know, goddess, not to some other random yeah. female. So that definitely would have a little bit more of a respect tone, I'm guessing. But still, I'll take it. I like it. So Hathor makes it explicitly obvious she wants Daniel to help with the breeding. And this is where it starts to get really fucking creepy. Like, it already was creepy, but this now it's also really where weird. I made you make the best face in the world. I don't remember what she said before that. Or no, what he said before that. But it's basically something like, uh, why do you need me here or something? Mm-hmm. And... I and you spoke over her to get the dick in me, <laughs> and my entire body just went, "What the fuck, Mel?" Just... <laughs> I, so I do this thing where when people say shit like that, that just kind of breaks me for a moment. My I I don't like lock up or anything. I, my face, I just kind of go like, "God damn it!" <laughs> Everything is just, "God damn it!" Okay, but you have to acknowledge that if someone like. Like, uh, Marissa had said this. Yeah. You wouldn't have reacted like no, that. It's because it's, it's you. It's because it's me saying it. I, I told am... you, the face I made was specifically my goddammit male yeah. face. I just, I had to pause. That's right, I remember, I had to pause. Because <laughs> you said that, I didn't say a fucking word. I just reached over, paused the episode, and went, God damn it, with my whole body. Just, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, that was a great moment. <laughs> Highlight of the episode that wasn't even in the episode. No. But yeah, so that scene... Did not, in fact, actually have the dialogue get the stick in me. <laughs> Just in case that wasn't obvious. It's funny every time. Just gonna finish my drink. <laughs> um, so there's actually a really good moment in this right after that crack-up scene mm-hmm. where Daniel figures out that she wants him to help make more gold larvae. Mm-hmm. And he explicitly says, you want me to help make more gold and what's great about this scene is that as soon as he said that, I'm like, see, now, right there, this is the moment that should challenge his, her programming of him and break him out of it. He and does right actually as, do right that. Right as you said that. He actually grabs onto her arm that's been, like, caressing, caressing him, him. Like, grabs onto her arm tight and yep. a, is clearly fighting it. Some survival instinct went, wait. <laughs> because if anyone's going to be against making more gold larvae, it's Daniel. Mm-hmm. And I love that they remembered that. They remembered from Bloodlines, him just shooting up the tank and everything. They know this is his kind of reaction. So he immediately, like, challenges it. And she has to breathe more of that fog into his mouth to get him to calm down. And it's so good because you can see him slowly loosening his grip on her. as it kicks in. Mm -hmm. I like how this scene with the pheromone thing is more accurate to how, like, things disseminate through the body than your average scene, like, where they inject, like, a sedative yeah. or something, and everyone just immediately falls yeah. unconscious. I'm like, there's this thing called blood flow, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, this, you can see it, his body reacts in proportion, mostly, yeah. to however fast this thing disseminates. And it's great, because it, it's just slightly more accurate than your average crap, and I, again, within the realm of sci-fi yeah, and so yeah, on. Yeah. But I really love that scene, too, because of uh, the body, not just body language, which we haven't really talked about a lot about the body language, but it doesn't really need to be. It's part of their acting. Yeah. Everyone's body right. language in this, this right. um, episode is really on yeah. point. But it's like the whole know, time. Right. But it's like, you know, like, how, like, when, like, because when somebody gets CPR in real life, bones break. Like, oh, yeah, that yeah. causes rib fractures. Mm-hmm. So, like, obviously when you're doing uh, a CPR scene, a TV show, you can't be too no. obvious about it. And so it tends to look pretty fucking fake. Mm-hmm. 
that's an annoyance I usually get over. But you know, like, that that feel, right? Where it's just, yeah, clearly no actual muscle is being used here. No, he's clearly this gripping. This scene was great, because when he grabs her, I'm assuming they had a conversation beforehand. Yeah. He's like, you know, everyone was just like, okay, you're gonna grab. Like, this might hurt, you mm-hmm. know? It's a good actor that is willing to potentially be in a little bit of pain, yeah. maybe, because it looks more real. Mm-hmm. And that's what real acting is, is sucking it up. Yeah. So she's uh, caressing him, he grabs her arm, and you can see, A, his muscle, because he's her grabbing. Muscle. And then you can see her forearm is, like, because her, her bicep's a little like, blocked. Yeah. Her forearm, you can just see, like, she's having to hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but nothing about that screamed, like, ad-libbed or anything. No. Because of how well yeah, they Yeah, yeah, it was really well blocked. Yeah, but it was well done, and it, but the muscles were there. So either they were doing some really on-point fake muscle acting, mm-hmm. or he just grabbed her with some actual force. Yeah. Which is just so much better. Yeah, absolutely. Acting makes everything. Mm-hmm. And a shitty episode can be so much better for little moments Which like that. Which is why that. it's so good that this show has a team, a main team, that are so good at yeah. acting. But yeah, that's just funny how like the best part of that scene was that grab. Mm-hmm. Especially since you had just said, I know, the timing was in. so good. Because I said that and he grabbed her arm. Yeah. So, um... We cut to Sam, who has gathered all the women in the base, which is, like, five. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the either says, it, it says something. The message is either, Jesus Christ, there need to be more women in the Air Force, or B, where the fuck are all the women? <laughs> well, they do actually make a comment, I don't remember what scene it was, um, between Sam and Janet, but Sam actually makes a comment about, do you remember the last time a woman got hired onto this? Right, this area station down here, yeah. or something like that. So, yeah, because it just says... <sighs> This is our PSA of the day. We need to have more women in the military. <laughs> or in science fields. Yeah. Right now I'm saying military because apparently we can have aliens come from off world and uh, take over the men. So if we had more women, if it was more equality based, we wouldn't be so easily taken yeah. over. But I guess we all just want to be mind raped by I know we're, we already talked about this, but I'm still, and I know it couldn't have happened because it was the 90s and don't ask, don't tell, but I'm still sad we didn't see like a lesbian react to her, or a gay Especially guy not. How much, how much of that later scene was I going, holy god, because Janet's fucking sex voice? Oh, yeah. I was like, okay, dude, now say that to me, but slower. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sitting here in the corner going, I... I Janet? Oh, okay. Sam, <sighs> credit to Sam, she immediately notices there's an issue, she goes to Janet, because she's like, if anyone can help me with this, Janet can. Yeah, they've already like, Sam knows too. what she needs to be doing right. here. Janet takes charge. Janet knows what she's doing. Janet knows how to manipulate men. Right. Oh, seriously. Oh. But I... How, much, how, much, how many times have we had to rewatch that scene? Not just for my own viewing pleasure, but because I kept missing details. Because I kept saying, oh, I need to catch what he says. Yeah. And instead, I'm focusing on fucking Terrell Rothery because she's a goddamn goddess. I was losing it. She was so sexy in this. It or the hurt. arms on the... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Her name, uh, the actor's name. I actually had it. Yeah, I saw you had her page up. Um, the character's name is uh, Sergeant Westerholm, Ooh. and she's played by an actor named Tracy Westerholm. <laughs> Makes sense. She uh, was in the show for about five years, consistently about ten episodes from 1997 to 2002, always playing the same yeah, kind of yeah, character. Yeah. But she played a technician in the uh, show. She, she had excellent arm. Right. We have to get to that scene first. Hang yeah. on. So um, Sam is arming all the women. Teal appears to help, and the women immediately turn around and aim all their guns at him. Good. Uh-huh. Which is smart. It's so good. But they do figure out, oh, the gold kept you from being controlled. Yeah. So they arm him, too. Yeah. They're like, okay, you're you're one guy. I do love that Sam actually points out. She's like, I hate to break it to you, Teal, but you are a man. <laughs> Now, my only tiny complaint about that scene was when she's, uh, and it's, it's very easily explained away, yeah. but it's where she's giving out the guns, and she hands, like, what, like, yeah, MP14 the, or whatever the hell it is. to Janet. To Janet, and she says, do you know how to use one of these? It's like, 
You're speaking to somebody who's in the Air Force. Basic she had to have training, training in is it. literally required. And Janet says exactly that. She's <laughs> like, yeah, I was trained on it, but it's been a while. Right. That part makes sense. Mm-hmm. But they should have had was she should have handed the gun over and been like, how recently have you used this? That would have been and better. And then Janet could have said, not since basic training. Yeah. That would have been better uh, dialogue. But it's sure, a let's small po- point. Let's so. point out that the doctor trope cliche exists, which is doctors do no harm, don't know how to use guns. That's a Except lie. Janet knows how to use a gun better than if you're than a doctor Daniel in the does. fucking military, you know how to use yeah. a fucking gun. Mm-hmm. It, <sighs> anyway. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Teal convinces them of his uh Yeah, so they all, they all go off to try and take Cathor back. There's a moment where they go to the bedroom that she was given, yeah. and they just find Daniel in there alone. Ugh. God. Looking traumatized as hell. Because I couldn't handle that scene. Like, I watched it. And everything everything you're going to say, I agree with. So you just, you do that. It's so upsetting. For one, like, he's clearly not wearing a shirt underneath the, the greens. You know how they're always wearing the black shirt and the, the... Yeah. Uh, he's clearly not wearing the black shirt anymore, and it's slightly unbuttoned. Uh, so you can tell very explicitly. Oh, and his hair's all ruffled and everything. So you can definitely tell what happened, he and looks, he's just... He looks thoroughly debauched. Yeah, and he's just sitting on the corner of the bed, staring off Ugh. into space, looking incredibly traumatized. Looks, look, looking like a sexual violence victim. Yeah, exactly. So credit to the show, they they showed fallout from it. It was the vacant expression that got me, man. Mm-hmm. That's like the worst fallout right there. Uh, yeah. whole, everything about you in that moment is just reflecting on what's happened to you. Because one of my biggest pet Ugh. peeves... When they have this sort of plotline happen in shows to men. My biggest pet peeve with this sort of plotline for men in a lot of shows is that it's just laughed off. Or, oh, you lucky dog, or blah, 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 blah. Like I brought up before um, before we started recording, uh, Life on Mars. Yeah. One of my the UK favorite. One. Yeah, obviously. A good one. The, the UK Life on Mars. There's an episode where something like that winds up happening to Sam. Uh, he gets Different drugged. Sam. <laughs> oh, true. Sam Tyler. Um, he gets drugged and uh, tied down and raped. And yeah, his co-workers, who are all of the 70s mindset... Unfortunately, it's not just reminiscent of 70s mindset. Yeah, I know. But, like, explicitly... Because here's the it's thing. It's all hammed up for it, yeah. What mm-hmm. I appreciated about this was that Sam was clearly not happy about what had happened. Yeah, it's almost like he was forced. All the men from the 70s era with the machismo and all that stuff... Ugh. We're playing up the, oh, you lucky dog, blah, 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 blah. But Sam, who was a more uh, recent, I think he was 2005, I think is when Life on Mars UK came out. Yes. I think it was 2005. It, it was, was either, early knots. It was it either 05 or 07. It was the early knots. Um, he was clearly not as happy about it. They didn't, they didn't keep the narrative between the eras. Yeah. A more updated, because the whole thing with Sam was that he's always was always portrayed as the more updated, uh, right. socially conscious Which character makes sense. in the show. <laughs> so he the was aware of racism issues. Yeah. He was aware of sexism issues. Mm-hmm. He was aware of violence issues and everything. So he would also be aware of this issue. He was woke. To yeah. The yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, ex- ex- he was explicitly posed yeah. as a quote unquote woke character. And thankfully he wasn't too much of a male hero type because no, no. of that. It's like, oh good, he treats people like normal people. He's yeah. a hero. It's like, no, let's not put him on a Well, that's because he was quote unquote woke, but he was also socially maladjusted. Right. No, it, was, it, was, it was a good. It was a good mix. But yeah, so his response to what happened yeah. was accurate. Mm-hmm. Unlike a show that came out years later. Yep. How I Met Your Mother. 
granted, it's amazing how almost immediately that show didn't really age well, considering how, like, Neil Patrick Harris is a great guy, but his character was a rapist. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, a hardcore rapist. Mm -hmm. But there's that episode, I think it's called the Pineapple episode or something, and it's all about, the night before, it turns out, uh, Ted got taken advantage of by a woman. But they play it off as a whole other storyline entirely, and it's like, you did not give consent. You were sexually assaulted, but, but they played sure, as a joke. Men can't be raped. Yeah, great. That's that's terrific. That's that's a great message to be sending mm-hmm. out to the world. So in two thousand like twelve or something. It's like Jesus Christ. So I really appreciated that a nineties TV show took at least two minutes out of their episode to show Daniel clearly traumatized. That's why they didn't tell you why the Mexican government let him in. That, that was needed that. Okay, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take, take it. it. Yeah, that, that's um, all I, that, that works. And it's good because he's just staring off, clearly traumatized. Sam can tell. She doesn't know what happened to him. He's got an idea. Whatever. It doesn't matter what caused it. She can tell Daniel is messed up. And yeah. so she takes time out. They are storming a base full of men that clearly outnumber them. But she takes time to crouch down in front of Daniel and try and talk to him and try and get his attention and see if he's okay and everything. Like, that is her friend. Yeah, if not okay, but at least functional. Yeah, (laughs) and he is clearly traumatized and she takes time to try and connect to him. It doesn't work. Yeah. And she has to leave because they are on on the clock. Yeah. I just realized another aspect of that scene, not to take away from his, like, acting and and the correct response to trauma-wise, yeah. is rohypnol, mm-hmm. is it doesn't really make you sexually promiscuous, it just knocks you out. Yeah. Like, you become fugue state. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, that's a lie. Rohypnol specifically just knocks you yeah. out, but some make you fugue state mm-hmm. type. His reaction could also be slightly because of the fact that she had her pheromone thing going. But if you look at his face, it's oh, yeah. definitely... But at least part of his reaction could also be... Oh yeah, it's probably a combination yeah, so of it's both. Great. It's, it's, it's a great representation of all of the factors, Because here's the well thing, done. if he hadn't had the fugue state, I think he would have been, been definitely a lot more reactive. Oh, yeah. Because we see uh, a lot more explicitly in later episodes, Daniel is not afraid to let his emotions run wild when mm-hmm. things like that happen. When he's distressed. <laughs> yeah. He's not, yeah. he doesn't do the machismo tamping down on his yeah. emotions thing. Oh, and I have to mention, just because I don't want to ever come across, the great metaphor is never necessary. No. And betrayals of res- responses to the trauma tend to be pretty uniform. I have to say, this has come to, in real life, has really come back to bite victims because there's like people who like have told the story a million times and so they finally get to court and they come off sounding really monotone exactly and people don't believe Mm -hmm. them because they're not acting the way a victim should they're not crying and screaming and hysterical some of them never do everyone's reaction to trauma is different it's called shock exactly that's what i just have to mention is it could have something to do with the drugs it also couldn't because it very well could be that that is just his Mm -hmm. specific reaction to trauma Everyone has a different reaction, and they're all perfectly valid. Absolutely, 100%. Sorry, had to say it. No, it's, mm-hmm. it's important. But it's a great scene for all of the reasons. Yeah, and it's I will accept scene. the fact that they don't explain why the Mexican government yeah. let them dig yeah. in the tomb, because we got yeah. this scene instead. Yeah, so it's a terrible scene, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But it's well done. It's well that's, crafted. That's the thing. That's what this whole episode is. It's terrible. But it's well terrible things that are crafted well. Except for several parts that are also just really shitty crafted at the same time. Yeah. But not as many as we thought. No, no, no. Remembered anyway. So, yeah, that scene happens. He, She has to move on. Yeah. Because she can't um, stay the there. The team finds Hathor in the locker room in this, like, single skinny little bath thing. Yeah, which... It's so weird. I don't know what that is for. I feel like it almost looks like one of those ones, like, that sports stars Yeah, use. for, like, muscle relaxing, but aren't those usually wider? 
I think uh, actually I've seen pretty. Uh, it does look a lot like the, uh, your average one. Actually, it could very well be one of those kinds of things. I assumed that what is, that's what it was for. Either way, it was but one. But we've never seen it before, and it was posed it's in the six, middle of the room. And it has like this marble background that uh-huh. like points to it, like comes to a point with the bathtub. It's so weirdly singular, and it's like a it's throne, throne, yeah, in bathtub form, which is just a bizarre ass statement. The fact that that was a concept, and the fact that it I had to weird. the fact that I had to utter that sentence makes me unhappy. What the fuck was the plan there, and why did they think that worked? Yeah, they definitely visually decided on that because it made it look like it was her throne. She's even got her arms, like, slung over the side of it like she's reclining in a throne. It's just weird. Like, maybe if Hathor was known it's, as the bath god, that would make more sense, but it just, it just, it's well, just she's, weird. Well, she's incubating with the, the... She's water birthing constantly as yeah. we speak, which just, just, that's its own problem. Um, and much like... The um, Ra with his children servants coming out as um, as body shields. As soon as the women come in. The men come as a shield between the women and Mm -hmm. Hathor. Different kind of creepy. Parallels to the kids. Yeah. The kid thing was You pointed out that parallel and I was like, that's really great. Yeah. The kid thing was specifically done that way because Because they wanted it to be creepy. They wanted to make that scene creepy, the director Mm -hmm. at the time. And this one is far less creepy because of the lacking the pedophile aspect. But it's their friends. But it's a very different kind of creepy. Mm -hmm. So it may not be as visually powerful, but it's definitely still effective. So the women, and then she does that smirk. The women, oh yeah, great directing again, Brad Turner, because you see her smirk at the women between the arms of the men shielding her. Is that the scene where she? Uh, they do an obvious reversal of footage, so she comes out dry for no, a second. No, that's okay. the second time they come okay. to. Uh, she's just reclining in it. That's right. It doesn't even move a fucking no, muscle because she's got her boys. She knows what she's doing. Uh, the women, so the women are all get captured. locked up in a room together, which that was stupid. Yeah, it was. It was really dumb. Men not taking women seriously. Hey. And Janet immediately comes up with the solution of using being women to their advantage. As soon as the women come to the forefront of a scene, the dialogue gets excellent. Because they just start trading sarcastic responses about how men Mama smoke. always said there'd be days <laughs> yeah, like this. Mama told me there'd be days like these. And then uh, Janet... She does, like, this exaggerated what? Texan draw. You must she's be like, crazy, honey buns. There's uh, a reason why they call it this man's army. And she's like, I wasn't joining the army. I was joining the Air Force. She's had women in it for decades. And she points all that out. And, she, and I just love Sam's response of... Doesn't even question why it's an ex-husband. Just yeah. says, he's a dick. What's great about Sam's quote was from her mom. Janice was from a terrible ex-husband... Which is all the explanation we need for why she is the one who's like, we're going to use being women to our advantage. And she's clearly the leader at this point. Like, she, when it was, when it was a tactical offense, Sam was in charge. The moment it's tricking these men, Janet is 100% in charge. She is in the center. That's not her comfort zone. Yes, Sam's clearly uncomfortable about it. Um, Janet poses poses herself in the middle of the room. She lures the men in in the this first little, place. She does side, like side these little uh, uh, these little breathy noir style oh when she's um, addressing the men outside the door. Still, we have five women in here, <laughs> and the men get so excited. The way she says it, though, I lost my shit a little. Just you had to rewind for, like three times. She literally says it in the perfect tone. We're all alone. And I could not. I, I literally, that's, a, that's the first time I joked. Okay, say that to me, but slower. It worked on me, too. Janet is the MVP of this episode. Yeah, she's my MVP. <laughs> but they get the men. They, they they lock them in and get out. Meanwhile, Jack is still clearly trying to fight the um, control that Hathor has over him. Yeah, he fought for a while. And he almost breaks out of it again, which is why she, again, gets close enough to him to breathe more, more of, of the stuff in. And then decides, oh, this guy's strong. This guy's resistant. He'd make a great Jaffa. Yeah. I just realized her pheromone thing is a little bit reminiscent of there's a drug 
I it starts with an S, and that's all I got for it. Yeah. It's super long. It's it's called like Devil's Breath or something. Uh huh. It's people basically will breathe this shit and get somebody's face, and they literally just blank. Huh. They're entirely susceptible to all suggestion. So it tends to be people like they'll, they'll blow on people and tell them to access like their bank accounts. Is this the? Oh, I think I've heard about this one. I think I've seen uh, like a, a TV special on they, it. They, is this the one that like it grows in a tree? Yeah, and people, like a white like, flower. Fallen asleep yeah, underneath it, yeah. and they just like become zombies. You walk or whatever. through the flower and you go into a few. Yeah, states. yeah, yeah. I I watched more, a TV special yeah. on this, and it's it was slightly creepy more as shit. But you breathe in and you just become not a person anymore, and yeah. it can last for a while. So yeah, this stuff is very much like that Devil's Breath crap. Mm-hmm. But more pheromone based, obviously. It's a yeah. lot more of that aspect. But it, this, it was a little reminiscent of once that gets into your system, that's it. But Jack is kind of trying to fight it, but she just blows more of that crap in his face, and and she decides, okay, you're gonna be my first prime. So she, uh, I like that she clearly likes a challenge because yeah. she's setting herself up for a lifetime of constantly having to redrug him. Yeah. Well, she also figures that once she's got the gold in him, he's gonna have to be more um, reliant on her. Right. But the. You just know that she likes a challenge. Oh, yeah, she, she does. You like I said, tell. she would have been a great antagonist. Oh, she would have been so good if she did. Does she ever come back? I don't think she does. I don't think so. I think she's, I think she's referenced a couple times yeah. about it. Anyway. Uh, she has this little jewel on her belly that she presses against Jack's stomach, and it creates the slits of a Jaffa womb, as they yeah. call it. She, she calls it a womb later. She takes him to the basket of larva. Mm-hmm. And puts him in it. God, this is why she calls it a womb. Because she says, she makes a point of saying, um, the strongest of the larvae will swim inside you. Which is literally how sperm, sperm and works, eggs right? work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why she, because that, that's the scene that she calls it a womb. They chose their wording purposefully. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> she doesn't stick around to wait for him to get um, invaded. Mm-hmm. She just drops him in the tub and leaves. Which is good timing because the women come in, into the room and pull him out. There's a great little posing moment where Sam and Teal both approach the bat. And Sam starts to reach for it and then pulls her hand away and waits for Teal to pull Teal, uh, Jack out. Which is a great callback to Bloodline. Exactly, where yeah. she was just like, ew, 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 ew. <laughs> She's like, she tried again. Kudos her for trying again. She was like, oh, no. It's like every now and then when I see a spider on the wall, and I think for a second, this will be the time I can kill this fucker. And I get like three steps closer, and then, nope, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. <laughs> so Tuke pulls him out. Um, They lay him down. Janet literally sticks her whole hand in his pouch to make sure gold has not gotten in there. That's a doctor She's for you right there. fearless. That's a doctor for you. I loved Janet. She stuck her hand in worse, I'm sure. Janet is so good. No, she's so fucking non- no nonsense. But again, isn't a no nonsense woman because she has like no femininity or anything? You know, it's no, almost but Janet's as, gorgeous. Yeah, it's almost as if she is a woman who just also happens to be capable. Uh huh. They realize that because the pouch was so fresh, it's fresh enough of a creation on his body that they can heal it with the sarcophagus mm-hmm. if they get him in there. So they take him to the sarcophagus. They put him in while he's healing. Some of the other men find them and start shooting. Jack comes out of the sarcophagus just as Hathor steps in the room, has great reaction times because he sees her hold her hand up with the, the gem on her yep. palm. Just, like, and he immediately like jumps out of the sarcophagus and ducks behind it. Hathor blows up the sarcophagus. <laughs> we were wrong about them getting a sarcophagus for Area yeah. 51 for this episode. Probably we couldn't remember it being used again. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I guess, and you know, it doesn't work for convenience unless, of course, it's not accessible anymore. Then they have Jack on their side now. Because putting him in the sarcophagus not only healed him of the pouch, but it also healed him of her 
Um, like, flush all that crap out of the system. Yeah, it makes sense. And he clearly doesn't remember anything, or at least he's... Yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a thing we wonder about, is that yeah. how much of this was repressed? It makes me think of the hyena possession episode of Buffy. <laughs> Call back to our earlier conversation that you probably deleted entirely, where at the end of the episode, Xander acts like he can't remember being possessed at all. Yeah. And then Giles approaches him afterwards like, you know, in all of my research, Duffy ever showed any signs of amnesia or memory loss? And Xander just gives him the look like, don't tell them. And he says something like, what is it, shoot me, mount me or something? Yep, that sounds familiar. It's something along those lines. Something cringeworthy. So, uh, Jack's on their side getting a debriefing from Sam. He points out, like, hey, uh, well, she points out, like, she's just gonna use our own men as shields again. And he's like, use tranks. And she says, we went to the armory and there were no tranks there. Which is like, okay. And he points out, well, we've always got plenty of ammo. There's a there's a lockup in Which Area 9 or something. I don't she know. She should know, but okay. Mm-hmm. It might be something where it's a commanding officer knowledge thing. Although Sam points out, why doesn't anyone tell me these things? It's still weird, but See, the fact that Jack knew, I was I, I was almost ready for him to say something like, it's locked only to commanding officers. See, that would make more sense. Yeah, I was expecting but that. But the knowledge of its location should still be a thing. Yeah, I don't know. But Sam at least says, why does no one tell me these things? Because you're a woman. Yeah, probably. So they have tranks now, which makes getting to Hathor so much easier. The they immediately, they storm into the same room with the tub. They immediately trank all of the men. What is that shot, though, that they insist on having in it where the she reverse. backs up out of the tub and she's completely dry and it's clearly just reversal yeah, of footage. Yeah, it's so dumb. Like, she, as, her, as soon as her head clears the water, I'm like, wow, love that quick-drying hair, huh? <laughs> I don't know why it was necessary for her to be portrayed as impervious to whatever fluid she's in. It doesn't make sense. That was, I think Brad Turner thought it would be cool, but it was just dumb. But you know what? She did the thing slowly enough that it wasn't super obvious that it was reversed footage. Like, obviously it was, but nothing about, like, what she was doing screamed I will forgive this scene because Brad Turner is usually a really good director. (laughs) He tried something, it failed. Yeah, it's funny, like, the directing choices we loved in this last episode were more, um, shot for shot based. The directing choices we love in this are all character-driven. Yeah, because there were a lot of, uh, we were talking about in the scene where um, Hammond, Jack, and Daniel were all acting different under the influence. There was a scene specifically where you see Hammond's in the forefront, and he's got that creepy grandpa smile on. Mm-hmm. And just over his shoulder, slightly out of focus, is Daniel doing his, like, dazed um, and yet reaction. menacing look. Yeah. yeah. It's back, real good. It's yeah. men backing each other exactly. up in the face of a uppity woman. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the director choice is raw great, except for this fucking shot, which thankfully it's over quickly. I do love that um, Hathor tries to, like, do the menacing thing from her tank, yeah. and Sam just immediately shoots the shit out of her. It's hard like, to look menacing while you're in a bath. She does a good job of it, though. Because it's really hard to look intimidating in a bath. But Sam doesn't give her the time of day. <laughs> Sam just pulls out her handgun and just empties the clip at her. And winds up setting the tub of uh, what has to be amniotic, some sort of gold amniotic fluid I still maintain that fire. most fluid, obviously with some ex- notable exceptions, like obviously, you know, petrol, gas, whatever, most of these kinds of fluids aren't flammable. We have no clue what's in uh, gold and the odd fluid. Yeah, that's a, that's a weirdly specific uh, Google that I don't know if I'll be able yeah, to. Yeah, I don't think you can look that one up. <sighs> but something sets it on fire. I remember, even even from the beginning, I was like, I'm not quite sure why that's on fire, but that's okay, whatever. First it's something time, I shrug off. Years and years ago, first time watching it, I'm like, what the fuck? Second time watching it, I was like, okay, what the hell? Seriously, what the hell? Yeah. Third time, I got enraged about it, and then you and fucking Eric were like, well, maybe it's this other thing. I'm like, god, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I do love being contradictory. So... 
she like disappears under the water that sets itself on fire. You see some of the gold come out and like also it set themselves on fire. And Daniel, who's still slightly under her control at this point, and those are technically his children, ew, <laughs> like actually screams no as the gold larva right. set on fire. And, and it's I a good like reaction. Like I said, one of the few actors who can pull off that scream to no. It's still mm-hmm. a cliche and I hate it. No! It's always so overly dramatic and stupid. Well, to be but fair, kind of pulls he, doesn't, he doesn't have it that long. And his expression is what does it. Uh... As if his child was actually being set on fire in front of him. What I do like about this shot is in the fallout, like, the tub's on fire, and then you kind of pan back a little bit, and you see everyone starting to, like, wake up like, and, oh. and, like, talk amongst themselves, and there's a little disturbance of, like, heat wave near the tub. I think thing. it's really well shot, oh, I honestly. Loved I loved it the first time I saw it, I love it it's, now. It's not, it's completely in the background. You could completely miss it if you're not paying enough attention. But you just see this little heat wave distortion in the air next to the tub that clearly, like, comes out of the tub and moves away from it. And just as it's nearing the door, it solidifies into Hathor. Which means Hathor got out of the tub with some sort of gold shielding device and left. And then you see uh, while they're discussing, like, figuring out, oh, what happened, blah, 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 and talking everything out, suddenly you hear alarms blaring from the gate room, mm-hmm. and they all go running, and there's Hathor, who's already dialed to wherever she's escaping to, and she's already at the base of the gate. I can get over it, but it's really annoying to me how easily she got the gate open, dialed, so on and so forth, and took the time to go get her headdress. Yeah, I, especially because she didn't show up with the headdress, so I'm like, where was that the whole time? I just, I can't. <laughs> Whatever. I like the headdress, so I'll take it. And she escapes, and apparently she locked the system out from being able to follow her. Everyone is, like, decoxing, basically. Hammond approaches Sam to talk to her, and she's immediately, like, ready to apologize, because she literally, at one point, knocked him out with the butt of her rifle. Yeah. It was her doing it. Yeah, I mean, oh, I'm fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She didn't say that right afterwards. Well, I'm fired. Uh, and so she immediately starts trying to apologize to him, and he interrupts her to be like, I wanted to give you, you and Dr. Fraser, a commendation. And she immediately starts explaining, like, away, like, yeah, I'm sorry, sir, but you have the- yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> it's that thing that Daniel usually does. Exactly. Does. Do. Do. God damn it. Does. By the way, you'll be happy to know there are several articles dedicated to trying to figure out how the fuck that bathtub caught on fire. Thank you. There's the thing. It's like, yeah, I gave you the oval as amniotic fluid. I still don't know how. Most people are agreeing that's definitely not amniotic fluid, though, because that has photolipids in it, which would definitely not touch on fire. Okay. Well, no, no, because I'm saying it's not like amniotic fluid, even like for human sci-fi, amniotic even for fluid. Even for sci-fi, fluid doesn't make any sense. I'm saying it's gold amniotic <laughs> I mean, that's fluid. That's like how scientists are leveling in on this, going like, even knowing that, but there's um, examples of what could catch fire. There you go. They're putting it in there. I just thought it was... Okay, no, it's cool. But yeah, um, I do love how she's like immediately like defensive and then goes, yeah. wait. So they're getting a commendation. Uh, then we get, like, a scene cut where everything's just wrapping up. Uh, people are ready to leave. Daniel's clearly going home because he's wearing his flannel shirt and his jacket and everything. And I noticed while everyone was talking, they were, oh, they were in the room with the bathtub. Mm-hmm. And they were getting samples. And Janet makes some comment about, well, they're all, they're all, you know, set on fire and everything, but we might still be able to get some sort of DNA samples off of it. And Daniel makes the unfortunate comment that a lot of that DNA is probably mine. Which then I laugh, I, I laugh. You like, said, ew. And, and then, then Jack says, says, ew. Jack, goes, Jack does the same exact facial expression. He just goes, 
ew. <laughs> I, I wasn't as good as yours with uh, Daniel, because yours like, had to do with characterization. Yeah. Um, but everyone has this kind of like, ooh, cringe moment when he says that, like, oh no, Daniel. Which clearly, because when he first, when Dathor first escapes, Daniel seems to be confused about where they are and what's happening. Mm-hmm. So we were like, well, maybe they don't remember anything under the influence. But when he says that, it's like, no, they do. He just needed to, it's kind of like when you've had a blackout. And it takes a while to remember what happened. If you do, if you ever yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he probably doesn't remember everything, but he knows... Some highlights. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I'm sure that highlight reel is great. Oh, God. But while they were having this conversation, I noticed, I was like, why is Teal wearing a suit jacket in the back? I mean, just wearing a blazer. Just, he's wear, He's not wearing his, like, jumps, jumper or jump and jumper, jumpsuit or anything like that. He's wearing, like, normal it's a nice going out to have a nice blazer. dinner... Yeah, it's a it's a dinner attire. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's standing, and he's standing like two feet away from Daniel. And I came to the the decision, and no one can ever refute me on this because there's no evidence against it. Fight me, and also why would you refute me? It's a good head cannon that Teal'c is dressed up because he's going home with Daniel today, so that he can like help talk Daniel through what happened. Because if anyone can, it's Teal'c. Yep. Miley, it's just Miley there's something it. interesting about the fact that it's the first time you see him in like real people clothes. Yeah. And it's a a nice suit jacket. That's what my only thought of the scene was was like I guess you don't need to put a hat on him. Yeah, we didn't even him. notice. I didn't even notice his head at first. I was just going, damn. Jeez, that is a muscular but man. But it was the fact boardroom. that he was like two feet away from Daniel near the door. I was like, he's going home with Daniel today. They've started to move towards understanding each other. Everything about the interpersonal dynamics developed at a perfectly yeah. at good rate and each episode like, kind of has whether it's again overt or not mm-hmm. has these little moments where it just makes sense yeah I like it so the continuity it's of their, real of good their, so their uh, that's my head canon Till went home with Daniel and they had a nice long talk and a nice dinner mm-hmm. that's what happened and nobody can tell me any different fuck off <laughs> dude telling me Tilk is the emotional uh, support animal <laughs> whale I mean let's go with that but him being the emotional guy, especially since like he tends to be stoic, yeah, telling you that he's the emotional guy makes sense as for, for like your support system. Well, not to mention like we, works we made me. jokes in like bloodlines. Oh no, we made jokes in uh, like Broken Divide and yeah. bloodlines and everything about how Daniel's definitely Teal'c's son, but he's like they're not Teal'c. Daniel is Jack's son, but he's like Teal'c's nephew. <laughs> right, he's still the daddy figure. Yeah, so he's he's gonna go comfort Daniel after this harrowing experience. Yep, it's weird that that's how the episode ends. But these guys clearly dressed to leave. It's like, yeah, I'm not gonna comment There's on that at no all. There's no explicit wrap up. It's just the scene's over. It, it's just it's weird. The, the dressing choices is what yeah. makes it weird. So, um, nobody died. No, at all. You? Oh no, sorry, those archaeologists. But they weren't in the SGC, so they don't count. <laughs> I love that tone, which spells out exactly as much. Like it doesn't count, but you you preemptively knew what I was. Yeah, go yeah, with. I know. But yes, nobody dies. No, <laughs> uh, nobody died. Oh, Jack or Daniel. I'm definitely Jack in this one. I feel like I have to be a Jack as well. Just because, um... Nothing about Daniel's character, unfortunately, this, this episode yeah, was... I appreciated all of the acting choices mm-hmm. Michael Shanks made in this, but other than him being a nerd about Egypt, I I wouldn't have let her touch me. <laughs> I would have definitely fought it a bit more. Yeah. Like, and I, I'm not blaming him right, for... Right, it. Right, this right. is not, not victim, victim blaming in the slightest. But you're a different person. <laughs> but I am a person who does not like human touch. Yeah. I have that shaky step down from touch aversion. Yeah. I don't have touch aversion, but I also have stranger danger version. Yeah. Where it's just, don't touch me weirdly. Yeah, exactly. 
So I feel like I I feel like I would have to be Jack and I have because a, I would have also been that troublesome to get under right. her control. I have a feeling that in that drug scenario I would be as snarky as him because <laughs> it takes away inhibitions in a way. Yeah, and I'm an asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I definitely would have been his sarcastic. Yeah. Dudishness. So I I figured out pretty. I'm I was like yeah. I'm gonna have to be a Jack. Yeah. I can't be a Daniel for this episode. Plus the view the I love Daniel in this yeah. episode, yeah. but. Only somebody who's been in very specific kinds of circumstances would relate on a yeah. certain level to, yeah. da- to, sorry, to Daniel. And we haven't dealt no, with that. No, no, no. So, Thankfully. <laughs> yeah. So, um, unfortunately, it's just... No, so no, So, Daniel's no. just not our, our, not our guy. No. Sorry, Daniel. Um, I'm sure... Sorry I'll for be, all the other things that happened I'm to you, sure, but also sorry oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm almost certain to be a Daniel next episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in terms of writing... I want to say the writing was good, except it wasn't because everything about the premise was crap. Like we don't we talk about how, like we liked how the episode was done in a lot of ways, but the episode premise, the episode as a whole. So is what's not interesting good. about that is the episode premise would be the story, who are those two names we've never seen before. Right. All of the um, good points that we found on it would be Glasner. So Glasner took yeah. this concept, which was cringy, and made it as good as he could. Yeah. As far as a, a bad episode, because it is not a good episode because of all the mm-hmm. things we mentioned, I guess you could say he was successful, but it's just, it's it's a weird gray area yeah. for me. I'm not, I'm not going to call it, I can't call it a good episode. No. Yeah, that's much, the problem. As much as I was pleasantly surprised by it not yeah, being as exactly. bad as I remember, it doesn't make it a good episode. Yeah. It's well crafted, well acted, but all the fundamental flaws don't go anywhere. No. Yeah, that's the problem. But I think that's what ultimately, if there had been a point to this episode, yeah. I might have been able to bump it up to a good. Yeah. Maybe even if they'd had the sarcophagus at the end of this episode, I m- might have been like, okay, well, maybe. But there was no, nothing comes from this. Mm-hmm. We don't even get any, like, callbacks to this episode later on. Well, not that I remember. No, no, we don't. I, I would have remembered. I'm just going to stop hedging. I don't think it's a good episode. I think it's a mess. I think if Glasner hadn't been involved in the teleplay, it probably would have been a bad episode. Yeah. But Glasner managed to, uh, well, I'd say Glasner and Turner. Because yeah. Glasner managed to put just enough good dialogue into it that he had people reacting in proper right. ways. And then Turner had was directing the actors yeah. in proper ways. And that then, it salvaged a lot of what could have been agonizing. Mm-hmm. But it was still... Don't get me wrong. It's still miles and above better than Emancipation. Yeah, nothing will be as bad as Emancipation. Right. This one doesn't even come nearly as close as I thought it was going yeah. to. So I'll give it that, but I can't I can't call it. We didn't have even, to do shots for this episode. I can't, I can't even give it a sure, thumbs up. Sure, we drank for it, but we didn't yeah. have to do shots for yeah, it. Yeah, really. I, I, yeah, I can't give it a thumbs up. But I can understand why somebody would. Yeah. Basically, it's one of those kind of episodes. Yeah, I can understand where if you're going more from the mechanical aspect of of reviewing it. It's just the fundamental story just makes this really hard to upvote Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, and the fact that they just overlook too many issues. Yeah. And and half of them could be, like, unconscious, you know, issues. Things that they, you know, make mistakes. But uh, some of them had to have been literally just not considered to be real issues. Mm -hmm. Which is... A moment where you can only be excused for so much. Like, at what point do you not expect an adult to sit down and reevaluate? At any point, not, not having a self not insight. There we go, self insight. Yeah. So, a couple of those issues remains like, well, yeah. your lack of insight. Yeah, takes that's away. the thing. I think we discussed this earlier too. I think if this kind of episode had been done later on during Atlantis era, yeah. I think it could have actually been done in a way that I would have given it a full on thumbs up. Mm-hmm. 
because we would have had the opportunity for exploring the aspect of a man not being affected yeah. or a woman being affected. Yeah. You have that more freedom there, especially because even if, I don't know, depending on how late into, how early into SGA it was, Don't Ask, Don't Tell would still exist. But SGA was a civilian-run outfit, and they are off-world. Who cares? I don't know I how. Here's the thing. I, I don't know, I don't know how long SGA was going on, but I remember that by the time episode 200 of Stargate SG1 came out, Don't Ask, Don't Tell wasn't around. That's Maybe. why. That's Maybe. part of the reason they made that whole wedding joke. Maybe. Yeah. SG1 ended in 2007. That's the only one I know the exact I ending. SGU ended in like 2000. 10 or something it wasn't that much longer it, in 2007 obama was in office. oh yeah don't ask don't tell probably didn't exist but even without that um it's a civilian run outfit and they're in atlantis mm-hmm. yeah it would have been interesting based on what year yeah uh preview for what five years from now <laughs> long ass time no it's, i don't think it's five years i think it's well, uh, maybe i don't know uh preview for a couple of years from now and we get to the point to where SGA and SG1 are running at the same time we're going to keep to the canonical timeline as much as possible right so we'll be bouncing between SG1 and SGA depending thankfully, on thankfully the first couple of seasons of SGA they're very much isolated from the earth mm-hmm. so things might be happening canonically at the same time timeline as on an SG1 However, they're not interacting, yeah. so it'll make it a little easier for us to be like, so by the way, this is happening during this storyline, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that'll be the end of it, because mm-hmm. it's like a completely separate thing. Yeah. So, we're going to have to give this one a meh, which is unfortunate. It's only our second meh. Yeah. We've had one thumbs down. I'm giving this one a thumbs down. I, I'll I'll meet you at, like, a mostly meh, like, tilted slightly, like, if you will. Well, we have, to have a, we have to have a final. I would, I guess I'll I would argue that with Glasner okay. and Turner working on it, you can't give it a thumbs down, because they did their best. I'll meet you at meh. The same way that we did for Brief Candle, yeah. but opposite. Right. But if I was, if it was me individually, I'd be giving it a, a thumbs yeah. down. But your, your arguments are completely valid mm-hmm. and make sense, and I have no problem meeting you at a meh, as long as we acknowledge that our thumbs is slightly pointed yeah, yeah. down <laughs> but that's for, that's based entirely on the subject matter yeah, yeah, yeah. because like i said the actors did great glasner did as best as he could yeah. with the subject matter mm-hmm. writing it wise right. turner did amazing directing as always so it, it was just the subject matter it's it was too early of an era for them to be able to treat it right i'll meet you at meh i'll meet you at meh either way as long as we're both acknowledging it wasn't good no no yeah so what's uh next week okay next week uh, this is why I was saying it'll probably be a Daniel next week. Uh, next week is going to be episode 14, Korai. Fuck yeah. Yeah. All right. That's that going to be a good one. That's going to be another discussion-heavy episode. Yeah. So, that's the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find me at It's Mel, not Liz on Twitter, or Liz at It's Liz, not Mel, or the podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com. Or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. For this episode especially, you can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us on our incursion this week. And until next time.